Hello and welcome to the Enlightened Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hunt, here with my guest, Horace Grizzly, to talk about one of our all-time favorite movies, Jaws. Hello, hello. Hello there. Here with Horace Grizzly, discussing, I would say, within my top three, certainly your number one favorite movie of all time, Jaws. Jaws, Mm -hmm. 1975, Steven Spielberg, the first blockbuster, perhaps, I will say, the greatest movie ever made. I don't know if I would go that far. It's definitely... It's certainly you should think about it. it is goddamn fantastic. <laughs> I because all of my arguments center around uh, like other movies might beat it out, but it's like even The Godfather, like it, it's it's certainly in the conversation for greatest movie of all time. Rocky one, it's up there. I think the theme there, so they all came out in the seventies. It's the golden age of movies. Seventies is the golden age of movies. Absolutely, best decade for movies by far. Ah. I... Yeah, I would say singular decade, definitely. Let's start with the opening scene. Do you know sharks are nocturnal feeders, obviously? Was the girl eaten at dusk or dawn? Do you think the party was just getting started at that bonfire, or do you think it was like 5 a.m.? I'm going to say it's probably dawn. I would agree. Yeah, I'm judging by the drunkenness of her companion, I'm going to say it's Don. Mm -hmm. And even though he might have been a high school kid that had way too much... He was in college. He went to Trinity. Oh, that's true. You just mentioned that. Yes. Rich prick. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm from Connecticut. My parents are... I hate him. Worst character in the movie. Quote me. I think that's probably fair. Mm -hmm. He's also a total dickbag. And doesn't really care when she dies. He's just kind of like... He doesn't care at all. Yep. Very apathetic. Well, he doesn't know her name. Yeah, exactly. Which is really funny because... uh, What's it called? It's Christy, right? That she shouts out? Yeah, Chrissy. Chrissy? Chrissy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, The actress gets all the credit in the world for one of the most haunting scenes. Did you know that it was... cinematic history. Some of it was real. Did she break her thigh bone? Well, you know how the animatronic shark was such a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Didn't really work and was barely usable half the time. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't appear in the movie until like halfway point. Mm-hmm. It's because Steven Spielberg and the team physically could not get it to function. Yeah. I think something might have been that huge behemoth mm-hmm. of a robot that they built. Mm-hmm. Grabbed her without her knowing and pulled her down. So the reactions to her getting like attacked at the beginning mm. are real which is it's it's perfect which is terrifying it's absolutely terrifying because that intro when like the credits roll when you, you get... see the shark mm-hmm. from the shark's point of view yep swimming through like the uh, reef yeah and then the, the body and the legs and the hair of the girl oh my god it's the uh what always gets me is um it's the gurgling as she seems like she's genuinely drowning and then the other um most important moment for me is when she grabs onto the buoy and is literally going, oh god, oh god, and it's literally like that moment of just utter and complete fear. Oh my god, it's totally inaccurate to how a great white shark would eat somebody, but I adore that scene. A shark, a great white shark of that size 
in that situation. Mm -hmm. And it was filmed in September. Mm -hmm. I know that after the busy season on the vineyard. Mm -hmm. So the water is fucking cold. Yep. First of all. And she is out so far. Mm -hmm. I've never swam out that far. I, neither have I. Probably because of that scene. I don't care how calm the water is. I don't care how mm -hmm. confident of swimming you are. If you're just like going for a quick skinny dip with this yeah. fucking goony ass Trinity kid. Mm -hmm. You're not going out that far. Nope. Not a chance. Crazy. Insane. <laughs> oh, it freaks me out. It freaks me out. Mm -hmm. Do you know I have some authority on this subject? It is just not good, man. It's nasty. So we should probably talk about the the Jaws theme with John Williams. Mm -hmm. Once again, a fucking tour de force when it comes to music. Uh, so have you heard the story of how he brought it to Spielberg? No. So he brought it to Spielberg and said, like, I think this should be the main theme. And, you know, Spielberg had given him, like, general ideas of we want it to be, you know, this suspenseful, like, classic, suspenseful yeah. thing. And he brought the song of, like, the da-na, 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 da-na. And Spielberg laughed in his face and said, that's awful, which is hysterical to me. Because the instant that he, like, they, they synced the movie and that original theme together, that's when Spielberg said, I was completely wrong. Because it is perfect at building suspense. And it's just, it another thing that's just iconic of John Williams. And it sets the tone mm -hmm. so early. Like, they don't hold it because they have that point of view with the credit sequence mm -hmm. with the shark yeah. and they show it right off the bat and mm -hmm. then it's the seamless transition mm -hmm. into the Chrissy Watkins yep. attack. Oh, it's the best. It's, it's the best, man. And then we're... Iconic and I would say like more like easily identifiable than any other score mm -hmm. with only exception being like Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say it's, uh, I think it's the only thing that's comparable to like Luke's theme. Yeah. And um, when he's looking at the, the two sons for actual soundtrack, which is just John Williams again being absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. Greatest cinematic composer. Yeah. Behind only people are comparable are Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer and Howard Shore. Absolutely. Who did Lord of the Rings. Yes. T top three. Bingo. Yeah, hands down. Because they, they only do like movies. Yeah. You can say whoever else you want, but... Oh, no, no, no. Movie composers? Yeah. I'm not Those gonna, three. The yes, Holy Trinity. Absolutely. I'm not going to contest that McCartney is a better composer than Howard Shore. It's like McCartney's better at what he does and Howard Shore is better at what he does. You know, I can't imagine and don't want to imagine, uh, what's McCartney, uh, McCartney doing the soundtrack to Jaws or doing the soundtrack to Lord of the Rings. No, because he's making about himself and not about the goddamn yeah. fish. <laughs> it's about the fish. It is. It is. So then we get our introduction to... Brody, who is one of my all-time favorite characters, just period. Mm -hmm. um, he he is the he's the small town police chief who used to be a New York cop. Is that a? I think. Have you read the book? So I did read the book. I um I did not like the book, which is really funny. Book is annoying. It's one of the only books versus movie adaptations where the movie is exponentially better than. Other thing I would argue is The Godfather. Yeah, and... I uh, haven't read The Godfather. I have read Jaws. Yes. Who the fuck has read The Godfather? You're a goon. If you it's have. one of the best-selling books of all time, Father. I know, but, like, the movie is way better. Yeah. Now, um, Jurassic Park is another one of those mm -hmm. few examples. I guess, like, The Shining. 
Shining, Stephen yes. King novels. Shining is way better. I didn't like. Uh, I love Stephen King, and I did not like The Shining. Um, granted, I did not like the Shining movie particularly much either. Um, no, that's a different conversation. That is a different conversation. <laughs> hey, you know I'm what it is? Seventies blockbusters. That's that's all right. To, mm-hmm. You know, it's within the realm of reason. But we are introduced to Chief Brody. Mm-hmm. He is asleep in his little cottage right on the beach. Introduced to his wife, who's also a great character, by the great way. Great character. Underrated. Um, I mean, I'm saying this as if, like, uh, the three main characters are, like, the only ones that are great characters. There is, within any of the major cast, I wouldn't say that there's a miscast anywhere. I think every yeah. single one of them is perfect. Every single one of them is believable. She plays a perfect de- defensive mom. She has great scenes. It's She has a couple of great lines. She has some great lines. She adds so much depth mm-hmm. to the family dynamic mm-hmm. and to Chief Brody's character. Yep. The dynamic between her and Quint and mm-hmm. her and Hooper mm-hmm. at the dinner scene. Yes. One of my top favorite scenes. That's, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, gives a lot of character to Brody. Mm-hmm. And just like, who are the main characters? The three, the trio on the boat. Yep. The chief, mm-hmm. I mean, um, the mayor, yep. and Who, Mrs. But, Brody. Well, um, All well, five of those are yes, perfect. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, so we get in Brody. Brody's going through his, his normal day before, the, before he finds out about the shark attack. And it's such perfect, quaint, small-town politics. It's, it's perfect, like, old-school New England. Like, you don't... There's so much that you don't really realize until, like, mm-hmm. like us, you are in it for a mm-hmm. while. Yep. And it's Chief and his wife waking up and making mm-hmm. fun of the Boston accent. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know that quote. It's something mm-hmm. about the yard and the cat. Uh, Pack and the cat and the hobbit yard. Yeah, yeah something. Says, uh, you know, that sounds like you're from Brooklyn. He goes, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he works on it and then they wake up and the kids are playing outside mm-hmm. and then they do whatever and then there's a phone call and Chief answers the wrong mm-hmm. phone. Yep. He answers the house phone when it's actually his police line. And then one of my favorite quotes from mm-hmm. the movie is when one of the kid comes in. He's like, "Hey ma, get bit by a vampire." Yeah. And just gushing blood. And it's so. The chief's like. It's very. Don't just stay off yeah. those goddamn swings. <laughs> Some. <laughs> very relatable. But it yeah exactly it's just that like small family dynamic like you said it's it's quintessential of a New England town, but it's also just kind of that like calm normal like hectic life that everyone lives. It's the very much that. Um, concerning hobbits. It's very that, like, early Shire beginnings that every story kind of needs to have that base of, you need to have a home to protect, you need to have, uh, like, set the, um, the tone for, like, you know, what a normal day looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great job. There are so many human moments in the movie that I adore, and him answering the wrong phone is perfect. And it even goes beyond that, and it's so subtle, it's like, Day to day, what do you deal with? It's your kid getting hurt on the swing set that you told him that you were going to fix, but you haven't fixed yet. You told him to stay off of it. He cuts himself. Mm-hmm. And as he gets into his police car, mm-hmm. his little pickup, Yep. his wife gets on the swing set mm-hmm. with the other kid. Yep. <laughs> and so it's all, it's it's not real. It's, mm-hmm. it's a planned mm-hmm. kind of thing that you have to deal with yeah which they love which is what they revolve around because their life is so simplistic yep out on this island mm-hmm. 
in the middle of the 70s. Which is, I mean, it is kind of that ideal little life, which is very cool. And that's, as every as everything else, Adventure Strikes. And does he go immediately and finds out about the shark attack? Because he gets the call, Yeah. which is about a shark attack, and he's driving to town, and then his deputy flags mm-hmm. him down, and he's... He's a great character, too. He is underrated. He I think plays he's probably the only secondary him. character. Yep. yep. And he's like, Chief, we had a shock attack. Yeah. South Beach just won fatal. Mm-hmm. And the Chief's like, you're a goddamn imbecile. Yep. Um, do we, um, what happens immediately? Because uh, I, you know, as bad as I am, um, I haven't watched it in probably two or three months, is uh, does he immediately go from there to the coroner's office or do, or do they go down and they check out the beach and they find her body next they they go down and find the body yes because they have because they the have corner. to be the yes. first responders yes. um they go mm-hmm. and they check out the body and it's really because he meets up with the fucking kid yeah the, the like oh i got a trinity jackass yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the beach boy yes. literally super apathetic in that entire scene he really doesn't he's like oh you know i never met her before whatever and it's like you how devastating would it be if you're about to hook up with a girl and she gets eaten by a shark in the most brutal way possible? Gross. You're gross. And he's, like, laughing about, like, oh, I got so drunk. Like, dickbag. Dickbag. Um, but I gotta say, one of the moments that makes him a secondary character, the deputy there, is he's, already he's there. the one that finds he's the body. The and he's blowing the whistle and has that, like, full-on panic attack. Oh my god, he like falls over and he's spitting everywhere and he's like playing right, with Right, you sand. can see the saliva mm-hmm. coming off the whistle. Yep. Which like makes it, you flip the switch pretty quick. Yeah. It becomes very real. And that's, I, I, fantastic scene. And it's like one of those, clearly Spielberg wanted that moment to hit home. And when you get the transition over to the remains of her body, having the crabs crawl over the remains. And dude, and, the ring. Yep. Looks fake as hell, but it does. doesn't matter. But I was going to say, but it's still compelling because of his reaction to it and everyone else's reaction. And like I said, adding in the, what's my call? Well, you can just throw a torn up corpse on a beach and we're all going to go, <gasps> Spielberg doesn't do that. He throws kelp and he throws crabs on it because that's what would actually happen. It makes it ten times more disturbing because it's so it takes a human being and delineates them so much more and brings us back into the food chain. Oh, it's awesome. It's funny to think though that there would absolutely be no remains washed up on the beach. Uh, you get blood and guts, but that's about it. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't, get... it wouldn't, the tides don't work that way. Oh, is that what it, I'm yeah. thinking of leftover from the shark, and I was like, the shark's not going to pick up every finger. You might get, like, bits and pieces, but. Oh, well, I mean, that would just be eaten by other fish. Yeah, that's granted, true, Granted, but, yeah. you know, oftentimes, mm-hmm. like, off of Nantucket, there's a guy, great mm-hmm. point, kayaking out, gets lost, um, falls out of his kayak, is not wearing a life jacket, and he's out deep. Yep. And after that point. It's open ocean. Yep. He wasn't recovered for days. Mm-hmm. So, and to, to think that her scattered remains would wash mm-hmm. up like that is impossible. Not a chance. Yeah. Um, and then we move on from there, and we get another iconic scene with the... Um, uh, is that when he goes and tries to close the beaches? He goes no, and there's a, the there's a few place. things that happen in between that. So... Mm-hmm. He and his deputy and the 
mop top kid recover the body, mm-hmm. identify it as Chrissy Watkins, and he goes back to his office to write the report. Mm-hmm. And he's on the phone with the coroner's office, and that's when you get the iconic, he's typing the typewriter shark attack. Which, by the way, another Amazing. One. Fantastic scene. Because you could do that in a computer today, and it wouldn't have a tenth of the weight of literally the typewriter of like... Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Cause of death. Shark attack. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And you see that he's kind of freaked out about it, mm-hmm. because he's uh, he's from New York City, he's a landlubber, he hates the water. Yep. Which you get into later on, mm-hmm. and then it's right back into the mundane... Mm-hmm bureaucracy of island life small town politics yeah the guy comes in is talking about the mm-hmm. there's a parade they're practicing the fucking parade yes yeah he gets flagged down by the guy with mm-hmm. the bicycle it's just it's such a good take on like reality and that's my thing is it puts you in the place of real there isn't a moment where i go in jaws where i go that would never happen Aside from, apparently, the body washing up on the beast. But that's, that's a very minor point. Everything else is so real. It's so natural. Um, the uh, Brody... Uh, who's the... Uh, is it Roy Schneider? Mm-hmm. Who play, yeah, who plays Brody? He's impeccable. I cannot articulate how good of a job he does as playing the, the chief who's got 10,000 things to deal with that he's constantly like ADDing off the walls because everybody wants something from him. Okay. Also, granted, he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Functioning. Yes. So he's got that to deal with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's, he is he's a guy you know. Yeah. So much so that I named my dog after him. Which is totally fantastic. And what a wonderful dog. What a wonderful dog. But um, no, it's uh, Brody in those beginning scenes is he's so easily endeared to him. Like, everybody can put themselves in Brody's shoes immediately. And it's it's just impeccable storytelling. Um, we get him into, what's McCall? He's trying to close down the beaches. Right. He's trying so, to um, get the sign, so he has to go into the shop. And they're arguing about, you know, you those kids are karate chopping the beaches. Let Polly do the printing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, which he... Is running around, he's giving orders, and he wants to close the beaches as soon as he gets off the phone with the coroner's office or mm-hmm. the medical inspector who tells him it's a shark attack, and he's like, okay, we gotta close the beaches. That's yep. like, by the book, because he doesn't really know. He's like, we yep. have to close the beaches. And then word gets around to whatever offices are necessary for that, mm-hmm. and then he needs, he hears from his deputy, he's like, mm-hmm. the Boy Scouts are doing their mile swim for their merit badges. Yes. Yeah. And yep. Chief's like, Jesus Christ, in the harbor is a shark out yeah. there. Is it? It's a smorgasbord. Yeah, at eleven thirty, and yep. through the mooring yard, that's where the shark's gonna pick off some twelve-year-olds. Sure, yep. sure. Yep. Um, but he gets on the ferry, and then the mayor with the inspector and his like fucking his goons. Introduction with the suit. Oh my god! And the anchors. It's, yes, it's something uh, me and my dad talk about all the time. Of the mayor, you hate him so much the first time you watch it, and then you go back the next couple of times. And you realize how fantastic that actor is at playing that scummy politician who all he cares about is the office he holds. But like you said, we all know that dink with the what's he's got the suit on with the anchors on it. He's putting lean. Well, you know, you know, uh, we're saying like, we can't close down the beaches. Yeah, the man took it politics, but yeah. it's it's hasn't changed in forty years. Exactly. It's the same shit. Yeah. 
it uh, leads me back to the book, though. I think the mm-hmm. book actually does a fair job. Not a fair job, but they do give a backstory and a motivation behind the mayor. I think he's fucking mobbed up. I... He's in he's in debt and he can't because he he's he's in debt to like the mob or something yeah and he's skimming off the top mm-hmm. and through the economy however very vague it's not really explored I was gonna say I so I read the book in middle school I should probably clarify so it's been a long time and I didn't like it so I didn't feel compelled to go back but um yeah I because I, I, I remember the journalist is also um he's in like a couple of background scenes the heavier guy who's trying to get the picture. Um, when they catch the wrong shark, that guy is a much bigger player in the book than he ended up being in the movie, which is a very good choice, again, by Spielberg. Keep it small. Yeah, doesn't need to be huge. You have such dynamic characters Mm -hmm. that you don't need to add these fillers. And they're all totally relatable characters, which is awesome. But I do like how the book gives that kind of motivation behind the mayor, because in the movie, the mayor is just kind of this oaf. I wouldn't call him an oaf. I, I, I think he does a, a fantastic job, like I said, being that small-town politician who all he has is that governorship, and he wants people to see it. Like, he wants to be successful, and it's it's something we could see around here very easily um, right. in our neck of the woods, where so it wouldn't is, surprise is me. Is everybody an oaf around here? Uh, have you looked at who's in charge of, like, the school committee around here? Yes. Yeah, it's exactly dinks like that. Um, so no, doesn't I, mean I still want that goddamn suit jacket with the anchors on it. <laughs> it's uh, it's just it's it's not it's not great. But yes, him trying to put the lean on Brody is perfect. Perfect, subtle. Um, I need to um, what's McCall? You know, like I needed to go this way, and therefore whatever. I don't know. It's not the ugliest suit jacket I've ever seen. It's the best goddamn looking suit jacket you're ever going to see, and you're going to buy it for him, and it's going to be $600. <laughs> but it's just perfect for that, like, pompous, small town. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't do anything. Yeah, he thinks he's so much more important than he is. Which is so funny to think that, like, a small town like that would have a mayor. I know. Which I feel like is such, like, a like a 70s and 80s trope. Because any small New England town, like, yeah. mayor is required for a municipality. Yeah. Nantucket is run by a council. Yeah, I was going to say, like town that. councils run most things. But the idea is the island is so old that it's been there forever, so it's one of those, like, first landing grounds in the cape of everybody, and it's like, all right, maybe I could see that happening. It's not crazy out of ordinary. It's just one of those things of, like, it's funny, and it's better to have him as a singular character instead of having five incompetent characters on top of that. Yeah. Um, so then we get to, uh, we get that small town council meeting kind of thing going on, right? Yeah, they announced that they're going to close the beaches. Yes. And then... Because Brody's going by the books, as we said, and he realizes there's a shark, Mm -hmm. that you have to close the beaches, you have to patrol the lifeguards and do everything, which is what they would do nowadays. My brother is a lifeguard on Mm -hmm. Nantucket, my brother-in-law was the most high up lifeguard, it's ever been, mm-hmm. that's what you do. You see yep. a fin sighting, you close the beaches, you put up the flags, you patrol, you play it safe. Yep. But back in 1975, this mm-hmm. was a different story. And this is a summer town. Mm-hmm. We need summer dollars. <laughs> I, but the <laughs> fact that the governor immediately, when he goes, we're closing the beaches, 
And the fact that everyone, there's a huge uproar, and the governor's immediate reaction is just like Never instinct. Mind. Never like, mind. Temporarily. Temporarily. Of 24 course. hours. Yeah, exactly. Only Beaches for are only hours. for 24 hours. 24, 24 hours is like three weeks. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, the chief's like, I never agree to that. I didn't yeah, say that. Exactly. And once again, you have uh, small town. Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, kind of, you know, middle class guy fighting against uh, the bureaucracy themes in here which is like smaller versions of it but it's awesome and it's a good little theme to put in there it's funny to think about how like it actually works now like the the police do not have the authority to close beaches at all the police did they back in the day did they Uh, i was gonna say probably back in the day now if it's done well Mm -hmm. it's a different organization it's a different yeah committee mm-hmm. that's in charge of like beachfront rescues yeah and stuff like that mm-hmm. which is typically through the harbor master's office if it's done well mm-hmm. i'm sure there are i'm sure a majority of places like lifeguards are run through the police and like the emts and stuff like that yeah i was gonna say i imagine it's a kind of first responder type thing i feel like the chief of police probably has a say and if public safety is part of it i feel like in a lot of those smaller places that don't have huge budgets um, they'll be based on that. And, you know, they need those summer dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, is that, that's not Quint's introduction, is Quint's it? not in there, because we go back to the beach. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that there was a shark. Oh, or something, yes, yes. And they go to the beach. <laughs> that's some bad hat, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody and their goddamn brother is on mm-hmm. the beach July 1st. Yep. Including Chief and his whole yes. family. Yep. and. Everybody else, which is all probably one 600 square yard yep. piece of sand. Mm-hmm. And then the. <laughs> have some great lines. <laughs> there was. What's the one line? It's Ellen. Helen Brody? Ellen Brody? I think Something it's like Ellen. That. I think it's Ellen Brody. Ellen Brody. She asks somebody, she's like, when do I get to become an Islander? Mm-hmm. Helen, you don't. Mm-hmm. You weren't born here. Then you're not an Islander. Then you're not an Islander. Mm-hmm. Which is still a prejudice held to this day. Yeah call people that live on the islands Mm -hmm. but aren't born there wash ashores ah yes i'm a wash ashore my Mm -hmm. family are wash ashores Mm -hmm. finn is an islander though that see that's awesome though i love that he's got a brick Mm -hmm. on whatever nantucket cottage hospital that's so cool says finn it's legit he's in there that's where he was born i love that and then what happens? The chief, no, the, the mayor, yes. comes up to that mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. and the age discrepancy, like, is that those kids' grandparents? Because those parents look super old. For, um, for, um, the, the, the kid that gets eaten on the float? No, they tell the family to go into the water, and they're the first ones to go, and they all hold hands I, like so they're walking I, towards their he, death. I was gonna say, he looks older than she does. The big age discrepancy that I always notice is when um, the mother of the boy that gets eaten that gets eaten is uh, in the veil and she slaps Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see, like the man on her arm is he's seventy five. Yeah, years old. exactly. So I don't know, and she looks old to be having a child that is ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that. Yeah, before that, mm-hmm. the mayor sends everybody into the water, yep. and then it's like they open the floodgates, and everybody's but it's also, in the water. Why, why isn't anybody in the water? It's like, why yeah. aren't you in the water? It's mm-hmm. like, let's put on some suntan lotion. Yep. And it's just like, yep. grossness. Yes. Like, yes. you're too old <laughs> to be 
to be soaking up the rays, man. Mm-hmm. Get in the water with your kids, and they go, mm-hmm. and then everybody gets in there. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so what happens? Uh, the Everybody's playing around. There's the, mm-hmm. what's we call it? There's the girl on the guy's shoulders, and Brody mm-hmm. kind of, like, freaks out in that moment. And then there's also there uh, is the, some... the guy in the cap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, um, what's we call it? The, um, the dog the, gets eaten. The dog gets eaten first. Pippet. Pippet gets eaten. Yes, which is an interesting moment. Um, At that point, um, there is some teas that go on there. There is the guy. But I, like the... shoulders, but I think we should mention the cinematography mm-hmm. of the dolly zoom. How fantastic is that? When it in all that moment, shit yes. hits the fan, yep. and you see the Kidner boy mm-hmm. get sucked down there, yep. and he gets, he gets eaten. He He's not gets... bit, he's eaten. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's a good point. Is That is not a subtle kind of maybe he made it out. It is a complete and utter chomp. Chomped. Chomped down. I'm going to pretend like I haven't re-recorded this ad 15 times. Hi, I'm Ben Hunt. I hate to interrupt your lovely podcast experience with this ad, but I'm going to anyway. Why? Because Anchor needs me to. So I'm really never going to advertise for anything that I don't believe in. And Anchor, I actually believe in. So Anchor is an app or a website that allows me to do everything I need to for the podcast. It allows me to record and edit right from my phone or my computer. It also allows me to distribute my podcasts on every listening platform you can think of, from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, even Stitcher. So basically, it's a one-stop shop for everything you need in a podcast. And best of all, it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So the little kinder boy with his fucking geriatric mother and the prunes <laughs> on his fingers. He gets sucked down. Mm-hmm. And Ten more minutes! And he swallowed a hole his little mm-hmm. floaty, which is weird as hell. I was gonna say, uh, it's an inflatable mattress that he just throws it's on the water. Yeah. That's a camping, that's well, camping equipment. Yeah, which by the doing. way, hysterical that they never put two and two together for like families of like t- Irish Catholic 12 and they're like, oh, we'll put four people in one bedroom. And it's like, okay, have one of them sleep on an inflatable raft instead of the bed with seven of them. It's not the smartest ethnic group. We'll give you that. Yeah, probably uh, fair. Having belonged to it for a long time yeah. myself. Being 10th generation mm-hmm. imbecile. Second. <laughs> Tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. So the kinder boy gets eaten, but I think it's funny that... This is before Hooper's introduced, mm-hmm. and the whole thing with Hooper is that he just comes in with his fucking college boy prep school learning and National Geographic <laughs> bullshit, and then he's like the ter- territoriality rogue shark, you know, mm-hmm. gets a taste for human flesh. Yeah. The shark has gotten a taste for human flesh, mm-hmm. because with the first attack, there are remains. Yes. There's no remains of a little kid But boy. physically, he is smaller. Is the other side of things too? So maybe he how just... much? How much smaller? Yeah, that's probably fair too. Thirteen-year-old uh, boy, twenty-year-old girl. I mean, there's not uh, much. Yeah. Because yeah. later on in the movie, they go in and they look for mm-hmm. remains within the shark's stomach. That's true too. Yeah. Because they're not looking for remains on the beach. 
all that washes up on the beach is that mm-hmm. goddamn political mattress. Yes, which by the way, like oh, the the they did such a good job of not showing the the actual like murders and the brutal bites themselves until later on which obviously that's because of mechanical failure with Bruce the mechanical shark itself but just by happenstance or out of intention it's not quite clear which I fucking love that scene where he gets eaten not because a child is getting eaten I want to make that clear it is the shot itself of the the way that the of the water just kind of like shoots up out of the water and uh you know you get blood mixed in with everything and the the inflatable raft is definitely part of it too and it's just it's very messy and that's kind of the way it should be there's like a six second sequence Mm -hmm. when you get the whole range of emotions and it's you see from the shark's perspective again coming up from below yep as they do and then you see the shark hit the kid yep hard yep and then you see the commotion at the surface of the water and you see the blood come up and you see the body flail mm-hmm. and it's all so so brief like mm-hmm. this whole there's like 10 or 12 shots mm-hmm. that are all half a second apiece yes and then you see the kid go up from like he 20 30 yards flails. back yeah and then you see the shark drag him down yep and then you see the perspective from the beach. Mm-hmm. And it's all the old people. And like, what is that? Yeah. And is people that? kind of stomp and like, oh, what is that? Yeah. And then it's all the commotion. Yeah. Wait, dude, we forgot the best fucking part. Yeah. Of that whole first beach scene. Which is? The kids with the cardboard fin. No, that happens on 4th of July. That's when they're Oh, that's when they call it. Yeah, that's when it's yeah, like, oh, they call it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, right. He's right, got the right, false. Right. It's the guy with the cap that's forget coming it. in. Forget it. Forget it. Yes, <laughs> you're bad. Yeah. I was oh. say you're batting seven hundred now. Oh, seven hundred. <laughs> oh, seven hundred World Series, maybe. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> okay, so the kidner boy gets eaten. Everybody gets real, real sad. Yeah, we and get then, second. Um, um, and then we town get, committee. I was gonna say we get the second town committee, and um, I there's nothing really I can I can replicate as that. No, I got nothing. I'm. Ooh, that's actually pretty good. Y'all know me. Know what I do for a living? I'll catch a shark. I'll catch him for three. Kill him, but dead. Something along those lines. It's, it's super it dramatic. It's and I love the such, part where, yeah. like, somehow Quinn got the time. He either showed up earlier for the meeting, which yes. I doubt, but mm-hmm. he is able to draw the shark with a little body yep. inside its jaws. Yes. Yeah. I. It's fantastic. It's an iconic scene of him introducing himself. He doesn't shout. He doesn't yell to get his attention. He literally just does the nails on the chalkboard. He gets everyone's attention, and then he just looks at him and says, Hey. You got, uh, you know, you want to go, uh, what's McCullough? Live on welfare all winter, food stamps all winter. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can go cheap now, or you can give me my money, and, you know, we'll, we'll get this done. Which I just, uh, that classic Ahab fisherman, the confidence in which, he's also, he's eating potato chips while he's doing he's, it. He's eating saltines, yeah. Which, uh, it's just perfect, uh, I don't like this, this, um salty dog uh seafarer angler i don't know it's an archetype 
of that which exists to yes. this day. Big it's time. The same. It's all somebody that we know. It's all somebody we bumped into. It's a it's a character that is real for a reason. It's people that you rely on to buy all your <laughs> offshore fishing gear. It's people that you need around as yep. much as you hate talking to them. Yep. You need them around because mm. they every once in a while they get a big paycheck. Yep. And they blow that paycheck quick. There you go. And you need them. Hmm. Um, so you get that scene. Nobody really takes them seriously, too. No, not at all. And that's what I like that confidence of, I don't care if you take me seriously or not. This is what, you know, I'm giving you guys the truth here. And I like that Brody immediately wants to consider it. And everyone else is kind of like, oh, Everyone no. else is like, no. Which brings us to, like, the midway point. Mm-hmm. Or, like, that... After the Kinder Boy dies is the mm-hmm. end of the first... Act. Act. Yes. Yep. When the three attacks happen mm-hmm. and like it's the slow build of mm-hmm. communal Increasing efforts yes. to yep. do something about this, and then the shit hits the fan, mm-hmm. and then every fisherman on the island goes out. Things are gonna catch the shark. Oh my god! What a classic! Another one where it's so relatable of just the collective mindset of dumbasses <laughs> that are all trying to go out and catch the fish is so funny the funniest thing for me is that like once they all like go out they're all within the same little stretch of water <laughs> and they think like it's like he's here yeah so i gotta be here I which just, is the same thing i love like tuna guys go out to the canyon mm-hmm. and they think they're gonna hit it they're all at the northeast corner of the dump where they're all mm-hmm. Pumping gas towards the Rosen Crown. It's like, you guys are all going after 120 inch tuna. There's 19 boats here. Like, what are you all doing? I just, it's it's the collective stupidity of the mob mentality that just cracks me up. It is perfect because it's something that any small town would do because you always have that collection of dumbasses of like, eh, you know, like, let's go out, let's throw, uh, let's go out like small scale dynamite. Um, I think it's, uh, he has, uh, like, world-class firecrackers, which, uh, in the 70s are low-scale hand grenades, and then one guy's literally trying to take dynamite out onto a There's, there's so many good scenes Mm -hmm. that start with there, and for me, too, it's Mm -hmm. that opening shot of that sequence, it's everybody and their fucking brother getting off the ferry. Mm-hmm. You yep. see the ferry roll in, the ferry doors, all the yep. cars coming off, and it's the same way it's been mm-hmm. for 60 years, which my family can relate to. Mm-hmm. Just, nasty. <laughs> what are all these fucking people doing here? I don't know, they look gross. Everybody's gross. Yep. That's the moral of the story. Everybody's gross. Um, Everybody's degenerate. They're, but uh, then, no, but then... He cuts the chief on the phone. Yep. With whoever. And then he picks up the marbles. He throws it as deputy. He's I sitting wanted, outside smoking wanted, a bunch. Yes, I wanted to bring that up too. Is just talk about human moments for you're trying to get somebody's attention. And like he could have knocked on the window. That's a very typical movie. Or the guy just could have been in the room and he's trying to like get his attention. It's a very human moment that Roy Schneider does where is that scripted? I don't know. It strikes me as something that he, he probably made up on the spot of just trying to get somebody's attention. So he just grabs a handful of marbles and throws them out the window to try and get the dumbass deputy's attention. And I love that the dumbass deputy's immediate thing is to wave back and just uh, be a goober. They called him and he's just like, you gotta get there. You gotta talk to these people. These are your people. And the yeah. deputy's like, these are my people. These are all like, yeah, yeah, I'm from New York, Rhode Island. 
that's for me the most relatable part. Yeah, I no, I think that's awesome. I love. Um, then we get right to Hooper's introduction. No, but before that, it's like you know their first names. Talk yeah. to these class. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the. I love my dad grew up in the 70s, and that's exactly how he ref- refers to anybody he doesn't like. Is like, ah, who's this clown? And it's just a very 70s thing. Such a club. Mm-hmm. But then the dichotomy between the old school shitty fisherman. Yep. Then Hooper, the college boy, wealthy goon. Yep. Heads collide. All that works out. Mm-hmm. Someone I can talk to Chief Brody. I'm Brody. You're Brody. Okay, yep. Hooper. <laughs> Mr. Hooper from the Notion Graphic Institute. All that bullshit, which mm-hmm. is great. But before that... I was going to say, I love the moment where the fisherman's <laughs> driving. He's going, we'll get out to the rocks over here, and then they'll wish their fathers never met their mothers. And it's like, what are you... We're the rocks, boy. Where's the mother never met the mother? We're in their rocks, boy. Yeah. <laughs> But before that, yeah. there's a little sequence with Brody on the dock, and he's so overwhelmed that he tells this guy, Hooper, just tell these people oh, what yeah. to do. <laughs> he's like, get those guys out of the Yeah. It's just still so, it's prevalent. Yeah. Around everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Times <laughs> change, people don't. Hooper walks to the end of the dock, and he's just like, Oh boy! <laughs> the chief wants to tell you that you're overloading that boat. Like, yeah, and they're all like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh well, could you tell me of a good hotel or restaurant?" You know, like, yeah, walk straight out. <laughs> but his immediate follow-up is, "Hey, I'm not gonna defend guys that are lining up to be a hot lunch." No, uh, comes after. He's like, yeah. "Oh, it's just, it's just to himself. It's under yeah. his breath." He's like. Oh, they're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> they're all gonna die. <laughs> and then he meets uh, Brody. And he's yes, like, you're Brody. I'm Brody. Hooper, yeah. Mr. Hooper. What's your graphic institute and yep. all that? And then um, I, I, I do love just. Uh, we should also talk about the instant he gets off the boat, and um, it's uh, uh, Dreyfus, right? Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus when he gets little off. guy. Yeah, exactly. Which I relate. But he steps off and the boat and, like, shaking hands with a guy that's much taller than him. And you immediately get this, like, dorky nerd vibe, which is actually what Hooper is. But it's just a perfect moment of him trying to, like, you know, all these salty, you know, they're the fishermen, they're the, you know, uh, earthy kind of guys. And his immediate reaction to them is like, oh, boys. And they immediately, like, fuck off. I don't think that. Anybody but myself will pick up on <laughs> the fact that Hooper catches a ride from his boat, his yep. yacht, that yep. we see later in the film. It's his big family's mega yacht that yep. he has all the sonar and all the special mm-hmm. equipment with. Mm-hmm. He needs, obviously, a dinghy to yep. get from the yacht, yacht to the mm-hmm. wharf. And he charters or just thumbs a ride from mm-hmm. a fisherman who we, is later mentioned in the boat. Mm-hmm. And I'm blanking on the name right now. Is this the guy that does? Ben Gardner. Wow. It's Ben Gardner. It's Ben Gardner's boat. It's Ben Gardner's boat. Mm-hmm. Ben Gardner picks up Hooper from Hooper's yacht, mm-hmm. drives him down, and then he gets off the boat and he shakes his hand and he says hello, and then Ben Gardner's like, hello back, young fella, how are you? Yeah, <laughs> wow. It's... Yeah. And then all I, that I, I definitely didn't put that together, yeah. 
So um, they meet up together, and then uh, we get Hooper's iconic, uh, which I will say autopsy? a little. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was yeah. gonna say the autopsy itself is great. It's the moment that he washes his face is a little too dramatic. Do not smoke it. That's, I think that's all awesome. When he's literally shaking. This wasn't a propeller. Yeah, and you hear this him. This wasn't like, some coral reef. This was a large squaws. Cut or, above the thorax. Could you get me a glass of water? It's, it is a fantastic scene for somebody who's literally watching somebody, um, you know, or uh, investigating somebody being torn apart. And it's like, yeah, that's, that, that's a great scene. But I will get you. It is way too much of a sound bite. For oh my god, uh, you think Hooper owns this many hats, dude? Like, <laughs> I don't care how much money you have, it's, you're only still 28. Yeah. You're not a doctor yeah. and mm-hmm. a fisherman and a yachtsman. Mm-hmm. You're not nearly that good, dude. You uh, don't know what's going on, especially Car- when Carcaridin, Carcaridin. It's a great light. Yes. Uh, it's the, what's going I don't. I don't love um, that moment of literally, like, he goes and gets the bucket of water and washes his face and goes, it was a shark. Like yeah, that's a little overdramatic. That's like, and for a movie that we're praising for like two hours straight, like that is the only issue that I have with any scene. Well, I don't think you didn't mention that it's not um, the third party in the room. It's Hooper, Chief Brody, and the coroner. It is the coroner. Yes, it's the coroner who had officially stated mm-hmm. he was the first guy to do the autopsy yes. that it was a shark attack, and yes. then he got pressured by the mayor, and then he called chief and was I just also, like, "It's not a shark I, attack." Like, he wasn't. The, he's the guy with the glasses, right? He's yeah. a smaller guy and balding, but uh, he does a great job of when um, he's so you know embarrassed. he kind of gets leaned on by the governor to or the mayor to to change his um, opinions and you kind of see him like fold his arms and put the glasses yeah, back so I think like, it could have been a propeller yeah, you know, yeah I might have been a boating accident oh perfect and that, the but, fact that he is kind of embarrassed and he realizes that he is totally wrong which makes me think that Hooper mm-hmm. and his tirade right there mm-hmm. is not unjustified because he knows exactly who's in the room he knows exactly who he's talking yes. to Oh, his his tirade is perfect. It's literally just that line I thought was like a little over dramatic. It was a great part. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we go from there, and then um, do we go to another city council meeting where no, they we, um... cut, we cut back mm-hmm. to all the fishermen going? Oh out. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Which then we, we were just talking about. Then they bring in um, they bring in the tiger shark. Um, they hook it up. Which That's is definitely I, my yes, favorite I, line in the movie. I, fucking love that they have literally a bow and arrow shot into it because it's all these fucking dumbasses trying to come up with well i've never been shark hunting before but we'll kill it you know we'll get it together like get the pitchforks and the torches just idiots and i will say again <laughs> i have some authority on this <laughs> subject because i have actually i've been the moron who's never been shark fishing and mm-hmm. then i've been shark fishing and i know kind of how it works yep um, and it's hard as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it requires so much more. And yep. I think it's I think it's especially funny when there's this one shot of this one boat and it has like a Hispanic driver. Yes. Yeah, and he's yeah, driving yeah. the he's boat. He's the water and, and he's the got guys, a cigarette. Yeah. He's got the cigarette and there's the dog on the front and there's yep. everything. Yep. And the guy's like, what are, they, what are they doing? What is that? Yeah. What are they doing over there? Jumping the water. Jumping the water. What? Yeah. Oh man, no, that Which was just um, 
definitely like more prevalent today than it was back then. Yes. Um, no, I love I love that scene. The entire scene on the dock is perfect. I love that Brody gets excited and is like, "Hey, they caught the shark!" Because I like that Brody is clearly the hero here, but Brody isn't constantly right. He isn't the one that's like, "Oh, he's." He isn't really standing hard in the ground and going, the mayor is wrong, the mayor is evil. It's that kind of subtle, relatable human of, like, you get caught up in the reality of life. You're not really trying to take a stand everywhere in every, in every place, and he is mistaken. He doesn't know. He's completely ignorant about sharks whatsoever. And he gets super fucking excited that they got the tiger shark, because he goes, oh, that's perfect, that's great, and he was completely wrong. He's completely wrong. Yeah. He's not completely wrong because, again, a tiger shark in New England it's coming up the Gulf Stream, yeah. that size, that thing was 18 feet long. It's yeah. crazy. And then Uber gets <laughs> up there with his fucking tape measure and mm-hmm. <laughs> starts measuring. And it's literally the best line in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And he has a, what's this bite radius crap? <laughs> I love that. Stick your ass in there. Stick your freaking ass in there. Tell me it's a man either. <laughs> oh, what? It's a tiger shark. What oh, kind of, what? What kind of shark? Mm. It's a macaw. <laughs> a what? What kind of shark? A tiger shark. Mm. A what? <laughs> it's just a weird moment that makes me laugh. Because these obese fishermen <laughs> that think they know what they're doing and they're just... Yeah. Uh, I do, I love, um, it's, uh, I think that's when you have the, they stage the pictures, which is good, and I love that the the reporter is literally like, come on, guys. Just like in high school. Yeah, exactly. Front row kneeling. Yep. uh, Need a picture for the paper, please. You get Brody super excited to take the picture with them. Um, but no, nah, it's the, uh, what's it called? You get the great scene with the governor and, uh, Hooper and... You keep Brady. calling it the goddamn governor. I keep it's calling the it the governor. It's the mayor. Yes. Excuse me. I'm get it straight. Like, yes. I, I, you know, having taught the federal government enough times, I should probably be able to say that. But, um, the, um, uh, no, that moment that they have is so perfect. And the governor plays it so well where he goes, oh, like he wants to, you know, um, he wants to cut open the fish and, you know, determine if anything's left of, uh, what's going to call it? The, the boy, because this. I'm not uh, about to perform some half-assed autopsy on a fish. Which is like talking about. And have this little kidna boy spill out all over the dock. Perfect. Perfect line. Especially when he says like, hey, you know, this digestive tract is extremely long. It takes them a long time to break down anything. If he ate the boy, there's going to be remains. And just that his, oh man, I'm not going to have that little boy spill out onto the dock. Like, it is such good small town. I cannot say enough good things about the mayor in that scene. Um, and then uh, immediately following that, that undercuts it, is the slap of slap the scene. century. Like Mrs. Kidner. Mrs. Kidner comes up mm-hmm. with the veil. Yep. Like she's at the fucking graveyard. Yep. And she comes, Chief Brody. I just learned that a girl died here last week. Mm-hmm. And you knew about it. And then, <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah. Hard. Oh, she does. And she looks like she actually gave him a good slap. Um, yeah. 
The she gave him a good slap, and she's sixty five. Her husband is seventy five, which means that the kid was conceived when she was fifty five, which yeah. means that this was a miracle of science <laughs> in nineteen seventy five. So my argument is going to be: she looks like she is fifty five. The boy was conceived when she was forty four, and he was in his sixty five, and he is now seventy six. Fine, you can subtract. Ten years from my fingers, <laughs> yeah. it's still a miracle. A, I'm, it is very interesting, but it's a bit more reasonable. But yeah, Which leads me to create a whole mm-hmm. fan fiction backstory <laughs> for the Kidner family and the whole... Uh, yeah. he was the so little so Kidner boy's yeah. parents were killed, yachting, yeah, it's way back thing. in the It's actually the 50s. same shark that ate his shark. parents. The yeah. shark at that point was only 12 feet, now mm-hmm. it's 25. Yep. It's a whole thing. Yeah, exactly. It got its taste from human flesh down south. Anyway. Um, they think they killed the shark. They think they killed the shark. Um, it's Hooper that is the one to say, hey guys, like you're completely fucking wrong. Um, from then on, we get into... Um, the uh what's my call it? uh we go home to to Brody's place, don't we? And we get uh he's I thought, playing I thought sh- for a second you were gonna yeah. skip it, Brad, but no, this is literally not. this is of the We're professionals. Is, we are experts, folks. Mm-hmm. This is literally the middle point of the movie. Mm-hmm. And this is when Brody is at his most human. And you see again that his alcoholism is getting the better of himself. I see, is he an alcoholic within the bounds of the movie? In the bounds of the book, he definitely is. No, but he gets hammered. Yeah, but that's <laughs> A-okay. It doesn't that's matter. The, hey, man, I get hammered. I'm not an alcoholic. I hope. We all hope. At the end of the day, yeah. we're hoping. We're all clinging to something. We're hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, this, for me and my family, I think is... One of the most mm-hmm. like family oriented and pivotal scenes. Yeah, and it's no dialogue, and it's him and his son just kind of making faces at each other. So yes, but before that, we have is it does it start out? I think it's him sitting at the table, and he's going through the shark book, and you're going through the artwork of the old sharks that are um, smashing into ships and stuff it's, like that. And, and you, then you flip through and he's seeing the shark, uh, what's we call it, the wounds of the sharks, and it's very, very serious, and then he's brought back from the serious moment into the very humanizing, um, what's we call it, um, uh, uh, back to the family. And that's when he kind of sits out and goes, I, you know, I don't want Michael playing in that, in that boat. And she goes, it's his birthday tomorrow. I don't think... You have a little flip to your buddy. It's I will he's, bet my he's, life. No, no, no. But he he's flipping yes. through the books, and then his wife comes up and scares him. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, people don't even know how old sharks are. They can live two, three thousand mm-hmm. years, which is yeah. bullshit. And um, looking through old mm-hmm. sailing and fishing yep. schematics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And his wife's like, Michael loves his present. He's like, oh yeah. And she's like, he's sitting in it. Mm-hmm. And then he gets up and he's just like, uh, I don't want Michael in that boat. Yep. And he's like, Michael, get out of that boat. Mm-hmm. Like, Come on, Dad. Just a little longer. <laughs> like a little brat. And yep. then mm-hmm. she picks up the boat, the book that he was Which, just reading. Which, again, we talked about how great of a character Mrs. Brody is and how great the actress that played her. And I'm sorry, I don't know her name off the top of my head. Helen. 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 It Brody. is. We kept saying Ellen. It is Helen. It's Helen. Um, the Helen flips to the page. 
when where the she shark sees is attacking the, shark, the boat yes, yes. and sinks the boat. It's the immediate Michael, wasn't he a father? Yeah. Get out of that boat. Get out of that right now. Oh, that's awesome. But I do love the the follow up is the what's gonna call it that that very parental and moment of just like, you wanna get drunk and fool around? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like awesome awesome moment um and then followed up with like him being a good dad my brother used to use that <laughs> <laughs> i'd use that any day of the week when we were both on Nantucket, <laughs> he obviously couldn't buy alcohol and mm-hmm. like at the end of the day around 4 30 girls he was like you want to get drunk and pull around <laughs> For some goddamn pork chops. Yep. And his wife is pretty shook up because mm-hmm. he's shook up and everybody mm-hmm. else is shook up. And yep. there's that intimate scene between him and his youngest mm-hmm. son, yep. Sean. Yes. And then it culminates with him being like, give me a kiss. Because I so, need it. Because I need it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Absolutely. And it's wonderful. It's awesome. And then that's immediately followed up by Brody being awkward, clumsy nerd that he is, which is like, Hey, like, hi, like, we need to talk. And the fact that he's in jeans and a blazer, which, by the way, was not the style in the 70s. It became the style after the 70s. It's cool as fuck yeah. now. It is not cool as fuck then. He looks like a complete dork. For the 18 of you listening, it's Hooper. Hooper walks in the door. Did I say, who did I say? Did I say Brody? You said Brody. Oh, excuse me. Mr. Hooper comes mm-hmm. in unannounced, and he's carrying two bottles of wine. Mm-hmm. One's a red, one's a white. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know what you would be serving. Yes. Mrs. Brody's a little shook because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, God damn it. We mm-hmm. don't need any more of this bullshit. Yep. Brody's pumped mm-hmm. he's got support booze. <laughs> he is not an alcoholic in the movies. <laughs> Still pumped regardless. Yeah, that's... All right, that, I will give you that that is fair. Um, and then it's... Because at this point, Hooper has kind of an idea of what Brody is going through. Yep. Because they have talked enough. And yep. in the back of... Brody's mind, mm-hmm. he realized that it's not the shark. Yep. And Hooper knows that. Mm-hmm. And Brody was kind of just waiting for this to come. Yeah, exactly. That's yep. why he was getting shit faced. Mm-hmm. I I love that moment of when um, he he opens the wine and he goes, uh, it, it, "It's fish, so you should be drinking." Wow, what's McCall? You should be drinking white or whatever it is, and he opens the red, oh, and he slowly does it without listening to him, and then just dumps it, and it's not a wine glass, it's a water glass, <laughs> he literally just dumps wine into it. But you're missing the conversation between Mrs. Brody and Hooper. I'm sorry, I forget, I forget that part. Oh, you forget? Where Hooper kind of introduces himself, she yeah, walks yeah. into his... I'm Mr. Hooper, Mm -hmm. I work with your husband, blah, blah, blah. And then they sit down at the Mm -hmm. table. Mm -hmm. Oh, he talks about how he got in. Chief couldn't care less what the fuck he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He just sees that bottle of red. He's Mm -hmm. just like, I'm finished with it. This is the Bottle of red. Bottle of white. (laughs) (laughs) And then, what, what does that Helen say? She's like, Mr. Hooper, I hear you're really into sharks. Mm-hmm. 
And then he like laughs. Chills. Yeah. No, because this is before that, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When Mr. Hooper, because remember earlier in the day when nobody would give him directions to a goddamn good yep. restaurant, he's starving. He takes the plate from mm-hmm. Brody. Yep. Because it's so good mm-hmm. that the more you watch it, are the you gonna more finish it this? makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. You're not going to finish this, are you? Yeah. Yep. Eats the pork chop. Yep. Eats all the mashed potatoes, whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then Helen's like, Mr. Hooper, here, you're really into sharks. He's coughs up he's like yeah. well never heard it put that way but mm-hmm. when I was a boy my father bought me a 14 footer of a mm-hmm. montage and I hooked a scalp and then a 14 foot dog fish grabbed it he had the inboard he's on the inboard into an outboard yeah. he turned it all I was like okay it's great yep it's great. it is it is a fantastic not relatable either which <laughs> no. dude cut the line shut <laughs> the fuck it, up I was gonna say and that's what's wicked funny is that how awkward and nerdy and dorky Hooper is, and you have that delineation between um, uh, Hooper and Brody, because Brody is kind of dorky in his own way, mm-hmm. but in a different way, which I like, because uh, he's like a family man, everybody knows him, everybody likes him. Hooper is the complete newbie who nobody knows and nobody particularly likes. Nobody knows, nobody likes him. Mm-hmm. Small guy, city guy, Yep. college educated, wealthy. Yep. yep. Which is bullshit because all of those guys, even back then, mm-hmm. they had cash. Mm-hmm. Even if you were a fisherman in the mm-hmm. 70s on the islands, yep. you had some money because you owned some property. Mm-hmm. So you were fine. You had some kids and your mm-hmm. kids are fine and your mm-hmm. kids' kids are fine. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> so then... You're going to have to cut that out, but regardless, yes. they're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um... But then we uh we move on to uh you want to finish this bottle of wine and go cut open that fish. There is some little bit that goes on before that because mm-hmm. it talks into the what we talked about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Hooper mentions the idea of territoriality. Yes, yeah, he yeah, mentions yeah. that it's to a, Mrs. It's Hooper. It's a theory. Yeah. Yep. Um. So big fish eat little fish. Yeah. And then a big shark comes in. Is the big bad shark, and as long as the food supply holds up. Which also, that isn't a theory. That's a completely reasonable expectation of any predatory type of any kind of animal. That if the feeding is good here, we're going to stay here. Humans have that mentality. It's how we came to America in the first place, is we literally crossed the Bering Strait into America following the woolly mammoth. In terms of marine ecology... Is that not true? it It really, really dumbs it down. Yeah. Um, which is, of course, like, still mm-hmm. correct, but you're dealing with, an, like, bottom tier, mm-hmm. second bottom, and you're working your way up the food pyramid. Yeah. And this shark is at the top, 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 top. Yeah. Which would indicate that it's not, like, in that kind of human-populated zone. It just wouldn't be. Okay. Interesting. Anyway. All right, so... We go from there, from territoriality, into why don't we head over to the dock and cut open that fish. At this point, Hooper's hammered. No, Absolutely. not Hooper. Chief's hammered. Of course he is. Um, so then they go and they um, they cut open the tiger shirt, which is another one of my favorite scenes because the special effects department does a absolutely sensational job of cutting what cutting open the stomach of a fish is like. Uh, Hooper, uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus does a fantastic job of like that slow two-handed sawing through the gut i don't care if it's accurate or not it looks real to me he wouldn't be able to do it yeah but brian you're skipping over 
You're skipping over the whole boat scene. Is the boat scene... I thought the boat scene was afterwards. Because that's the whole thing, is they want to go looking for the shark after they figure out definitively that that shark is not the one. I know the drunkenness (laughs) continues... Because, Which is no, a fair because, point, because it opens because, with him going, ah, you know what I mean? Because we're still, I'm, I'm still thinking we're still in fucking Chief's house. He's like, yes. what are you drunk going on the boat? He's yeah. like, yes, you are. No, you're not. And I say, yeah, no, you're mm-hmm. not. Okay. Yeah. And they go and cut open the shark. They do. They have that. And they, yeah. they get a the blue foam. fish head. Yes. They get yeah. some foam. They yeah. get a couple of beer cans. They mm-hmm. get a license plate. Mm-hmm. Quick quiz. What state is Louisiana. license? Uh, God. Came up with the Gulf Stream. Yeah, I came up with the Gulf Stream. I told you, my friends. Uh, if anybody, I was going to say, if anybody I know, I think you're the only person that knows more Jaws than I do. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, what's so, more? Yeah. But I, I love that. It's gross. It's disgusting. I love, like, Hooper's shoes. He gets his, uh, what's McCoy? He gets his jeans soaked. Old school. Like, extra toughs? Yeah. These were the, these were the Grunnins. These were the extra toughs yeah. before these existed. It's, uh, no, it was a great scene of uh, him as he's like, <gasps> as he's trying to breathe through his mouth because the, the stink is so great. It's uh, fantastic. I, it, excellent scene in that, in that moment. I, and I get it. It's a small scene that no one cares about. I love it still. Then we follow that scene up with, you know how many murders are on this island before I got here? Yeah. <laughs> There hasn't been a shooting or murder in this town for 30 years. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I will say, though, that cutting open scene is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, nobody that I know or nobody nobody's going to cut open a shark mm-hmm. just because a shark, like, secretes their waste mm-hmm. kind of through their skin. Interesting. I actually didn't know that. It doesn't have, like, a... A stereotypical or whatever, like, waste system, mm-hmm. like humans do, or other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of like sweating through everything, which means that the meat is gross. It's yeah, gross yeah, as hell. Yeah. It's a strong animal. There's no fat on there. It's all cartilage and or protein. It's mm-hmm. not good eating, besides yeah. from shark fin soup out in East Asia. Yep. So from that point on, we get out to... Um... Like I said, you get to, you know, like, oh, you, you know, there wasn't a murder or a shooting on this island in 30 years. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Birdie's having a good old time. I love that he, and just, again, it's a subtle choice. And once again, it was either Spielberg and it was literally written in the directions, or it was Roy Schneider being the fantastic actor that he is. He suited up. I was going to say, he's got the life jacket on. He can't swim. Yeah, and he's going to yeah. And it's just something, it's a little bit of paranoia that he definitely would do. And it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense for his character. Because also, in the previous scene Mm -hmm. with Helen and Mm -hmm. Hooper... They talk about how Brody hates the water and he stays in the car. Oh, yeah. Rides. Yep, exactly. Right. Which is, all, it all builds. It, there's nothing left yes. to chance. What is, oh, we just, forgot one of the best lines, which is, uh, you know, it's a it's a psychological thing. He stays in the car for, um, you know, out of fo- fear. I don't know what it's called. Drowning. Drowning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. But, yeah. Um, now, then we get to, um, we get to the... Um, um, that moment of, uh, you know, like, oh, there hasn't been a murder in 30 years. And then uh, Hooper's immediate reply is like, oh, yeah, 
want a pretzel? Like, mouthful. He's so casual and so on the different end of the spectrum that it's, uh, it is awesome. Whereas Hooper because... is awkward and uncomfortable, but the instant he's on, like, a boat, he's in the ocean, he's completely, totally in power of himself. Because, not necessarily, I think, um, I think Hooper is also from New York Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from New York Money, and I think Brody's kind of in that lower middle class, kind of blue collar, Mm -hmm. working it, as he has been, and his family has been for generations. Hooper's been above that, and so he knows exactly, he he has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Because back then, probably when Hooper was like 20, whatever, Mm -hmm. Chief was walking the beat mm-hmm. in New York City. Mm-hmm. Different sides of town, though. Yeah. Oh, Hooper, no, 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 Hooper no, no, has totally. no idea what Chief's talking yes. about. Yep. Hooper has all of his money. Chief does not. Yeah, and that's a and good And that's dichotomy. why he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a pretzel. I love that. Um, I love that dichotomy. Because it is perfect of, like, you know, new, cocky, confident kid. But he's only cocky and confident when he's in his realm of expertise. And I love that. Um, what's him called? Brody is pretty confident when he's doing... Um, like Chief Brody stuff, but the instant that he's on the water, he's absolutely fucking petrified. And it's everybody has their thing that they're comfortable with, and everybody has their area that absolutely terrifies them. Because it brings me back to way earlier in the movie when all the yahoos are going out on their boats to try and catch the shark to claim the reward. Mm-hmm. There is a quick little shot of the harbor master. Yeah. Frank Silva. Mm-hmm who is this old geezer, <laughs> half drunk with a pipe in his mouth. Yes, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, yeah. Harbor Master Frank Doesn't Silva. Doesn't he have the super cherry red cheeks, dude? He's just yeah. a moron. Yeah. <laughs> so he's definitely a booze bag. Yeah. He's a booze bag. Mm-hmm. We're just starting from yeah. the middle realm of everything. Yeah, man. But, yeah. Um, the police should not be handling aquatic things like that just because yeah. if resources are allocated mm-hmm. properly, it should be... The police handle the police stuff. Harbor master and then the harbor master that. handles the harbor stuff, which mm-hmm. if everything works well, mm-hmm. the chief medical officer should work hand in hand with, with the police. Both. Yep. And the coast guard mm-hmm. slash harbor master. The coast guard yep. should be its own separate thing. Yep. Chief medical officer should be able to handle everything so everything can, mm-hmm. can coincide when there's an emergency on the shore mm-hmm. properly. Yep. My brother-in-law is finally able to do all of that and he has to cut through so much red tape <laughs> that it's not even feasible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we move on to, hey, that's Ben Gardner's boat. Actually, no, we probably oh, have, we have it's a, a school. It's a school of mackerel. Yeah, we have, um, we've got Hooper's whole backstory of, uh, you know, uh, how much are you worth? Me or the whole family? Perfect. Perfect Damn. line. Hate him. I, it's just, I love that line of, uh, what's gonna call it? Um, you know, just articulates of how much money is he worth. And it's one of those writing things of show, don't tell. And you could have Hooper literally say the line of, I'm worth $80 billion. And you can have uh, Brody make the same reactions. But it's infinitely funnier, more relatable, and real to have him go, me or the whole family. Because he's worth that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a typical, you know, old school, old school Northeast. money. Yeah. Um, so then you go from there to uh, Hooper decides he's going to jump in the water and 
try and uh, you know see what he can do. See if they can uh, bring her in. Nutty man. It is a great. (laughs) It is a great. At night, he's gonna scuba dive by himself with somebody who doesn't know how to drive a boat. Cannot help him in the water. He's gonna bring what a diving knife, and that's about it. Yeah. First of all, Hooper can't drive that boat alone. Bingo. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> Hooper needs two mates to actually be able to get in and out of port properly. Yes. <laughs> and to do it all legitimately, he can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and he somehow can do it, and he mm-hmm. just parks the boat mm-hmm. right next to Ben Garner's You know boat. how you park a boat? <laughs> yeah, you forget about how any kind of inertia or stuff yeah. works like that. You just park it, and you're able to, without throwing out any lines. Technicalities, my Technicalities. friend. Technicalities. Yeah, he gets it all done, and he does it, and then he figures it all out. Mm-hmm. I love the scene underwater from beginning to end. It's perfect. Um, the fact that he went down there, there's the hole in the boat, is, uh, you know, obviously the boat has been attacked by something, and the fact that he finds the shark tooth that is huge. Um, and then you get a actual gist of how big a great white shark teeth are. And then you follow that up with the, I would say, easily the cheapest jump scare of the movie. Super cheap. That yeah. had a grip on me for a decade. Dude. Yeah, exactly. That it had is me shook. fantastic. I think it's awesome. Mm. For me, it wasn't even, like, so much of the jump scare, because, like, I know from an early age that, like, to expect it, mm-hmm. and I saw it coming, but there's that there's an extra long delay mm-hmm. between when he finds the tooth and he's looking at it, mm-hmm. it's, like, three or four seconds, and you're waiting for that head to pop out, yep. and then it finally pops out, and just you're so hung up on it for yeah. such a long time. <laughs> you it's, have enough time to think about it's it. It's not even stressed. so much as a scare, yeah. it's as much as a relief at that yep. point. It's like the mm-hmm. volcano was erupting, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my god. I know, but it is, a, oh god, I, I, I love that scene. Do, they actually do, they do an audio thing, don't they, where it's like, woo! Yeah, 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 it's, yeah it's perfect. Hooper screams, he drops his knife, yeah. and he um, drops the tooth. He drops the tooth. Uh, and then he swims back to his yep. yacht. And then he rips off also, the mask. The, the panic swim of getting back. Oh my god, I relate to that so much of, you know, thinking that there's something in there. <laughs> and just like, oh my god, I need to get back. Scrabbling up the ladder and everything. But he doesn't scrabble up the ladder. He just clings on to the ladder. Yeah. He sits there for mm-hmm. a second. You get on the boat. Yes, I know. And then yes. you breathe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right, so um, we go from there. Uh, where do we go next, actually? I think we go to... We're going to hire Quint. No, we go to the 4th of July, don't we? We go to the 4th of July. Yeah, because... Uh, no, 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 we go to the scene um, with the... with the um, No, it's the, the billboard scene where they vandalize the billboard and you have them trying to uh, reason with the mayor... And they're saying, like, hey, you know, I really think we should hire Quint. We're going to hire Quint. We're going to hire Quint to kill the shark. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my God, the mayor does such a wonderful job. Once again, I don't know who this actor's name is. I don't know if he ever did anything else, but he did a spectacular job in this scene. He's the best. And then it's Hooper and Chief. Mm -hmm. And at this point, Chief finally has some kind of scientific authority. Mm -hmm. And he comes in hot towards the mayor. Yep. And he thinks he has something on his side. Mm-hmm. And then 
Like, we just, we pulled Ben Gardner's boat. It wasn't a shark. Mm-hmm. We measured the bite radius, all this garbage. Yeah. And they show it. He's like, we pulled a shark, dude. The shot of the shark and I wrecked all the boat last night. We should really itemize that the size of that shark tooth. I have no idea what uh, uh, Hooper has been drinking out of. Yeah, you gotta be eight it feet is, tall yeah, to do shot yeah, house for you, It man. is enormous. Because that ain't no one ounce for sure. Absolutely. That's a... Um, that's an extra wide shooter but if I've ever seen one <laughs> I don't think I have no, I, I've never seen anything <laughs> that big in my goddamn life and I've seen every kind of like oh god my brother worked at a liquor store and he brought home every shot glass you can imagine skulls tentacles anything you can think of that they made into a shot glass they did nothing was as big as that fucking nothing shark tooth nothing was big as that shark tooth but then what is it it's like the mayor's like where is the tooth yeah, exactly. Was, I, had, I had an accident. I had an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's really hung up about it. It is. It is. And he kind of like he, he he like throws back the blazer, walks away a little bit, and like I had an accident. It's a it's a great moment. But I love I love that the the mayor is kind of like mm, mm, and he's kind of petting his face a little bit, and he's like, well, but 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 you don't have the tooth. You don't have. Did you mm-hmm. see the tooth? Yeah. Chief Brother. Yeah. He's like no, I didn't. He, yeah. he, he dropped it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the oh, scene goes. And they just, do you see the Bill Blower? Mm-hmm. Sick vandalism. <laughs> I love that. Sick vandalism of a public service message. <laughs> I want these paint happy bastards caught and hung up by their Buster Browns. <laughs> it is. It, but it is. It's a great moment of like. 70s dadism where it's like if I just shout loud enough <laughs> somebody's bound be. to hear me yeah exactly. also in that scene is when he is also in mm-hmm. the anchor cardigan yes he is keep that is. in mind right? uh, of course Christmas is right around the corner <laughs> of course of course um, but now I, I do I love that moment down to the vandalism itself is really funny <laughs> like just a help shark and then a fin in the background it is great um, but he insists, like, hey, you know, you know, we depend on some dollars. Um, and so he is a summer town. Yeah, we, we will need some dollars. Yeah, we will be open for the Fourth of July. Um, and does he literally say, like, take whatever measures you feel is necessary? I feel like he says something along those lines at some point in time. I don't know if it's that. It's just scene. like the beaches will be open for business. Yeah. So um, we go into the next scene, which is. 4th of July, to the best of my knowledge, which is, like, obviously people are literally crowding in from right, ferry. That's when the ferry. ferries come in, yeah, right? And, and that's everybody's why, on the beach. Yeah, you get that, uh, that old video game shooting of the shark game, which is pretty cool. That's um, pretty nutty, yeah. yeah I didn't know um, those existed back then. Bananas, right? Um, it is. It's a great scene where everyone's on the, sh- uh, you know, everybody's crowding in from 4th of July. Everybody's having a great time. It's this wonderful, you know, nice thing. Everybody's crowding in, but at the same time, there's, you have the tension from the helicopter shot. Yes. You see everybody on the beach. Yeah. You see the guy in the helicopter. You've you got, see the uh, chief, it's his chief it's, attire. I was going to say, you got Coast Guard you everywhere. You got Coast Guard, you got the lifeguards, and then you also see that uh, Brody is on the walkie-talkie um, with Hooper and everybody else yeah. on the boats do I, a couple hundred do you, yards offshore. Uh, do you know off the top of your head the author of Jaws? Is it Peter? It's Peter Benchley. Peter Benchley. And that so, is when he appears he in the ha- film. I was going to say, he has his cameo as the reporter 
doing the Fourth of July coverage where he goes, it's the scene of you know uh, of slaughter or whatever the hell. A dark is. shadow has appeared on Amity Island. Yeah, he does not do a good job. I think he does okay. I have no problem with it. I, I think it's. I think it's okay when you realize that it's Pete eventually. I think it's... just as a moment in the film, it's terrible. I think it's okay for 70s reporters. <laughs> I was going to say... Yeah, yeah I was going to say, if you watched Anchorman, like, it is very much because of those guys. Um, but no, I, I think he has a solid moment. Um, I love the tension that's built up until all of those moments when you get to... Um, all the way to the boys being pulled out of the water and literally they pop up and they have an M1 Grand pointed in their faces by the Coast Guard and they've got the fake fin and and, and that like that instant relief of like, oh, the shark isn't there. Like, oh, it was just a prank and they all kind of relax. But you have the girl on the beach of the pond who's painting and she's like, shark, shark. It's a shark. And There's no, a shark in the ball. Yeah, and no one listens to her. Oh my God, doesn't that rip your heart out? Especially when he says, uh, like uh, when Brody says, like, oh, you know, you know, he he can do it in the pond. How? Right. Because before awesome. this, Brody and his wife gave permission to their oldest son to go and bring their little sailboat out. Yep. Um, but Brody explicitly says, do not bring it into the ocean mm-hmm. water, bring it to the pond for yep. your old man. And the kid says, the yep. pond is for ladies. Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, I don't care. Yep. And do it for he, your old man. Do it for your old man. Mm-hmm. He does. And he brings all his mm-hmm. friends to the pod and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> it's the little kids mm-hmm. with the cardboard family. Mm-hmm. He taught me. He, he, made, me he do made, it. made me do it. And he's also spitting that water. Yeah. <laughs> They're freezing. Yeah, he made me do it. <laughs> Good. He yeah. taught me to do it. Yeah. And then it's, it just repeats the cycle of mm-hmm. constant. Stress and relief with no yes. payoff, and oh. that just builds and builds and builds. It's so good though, because you have that. You could not build stress more up into that moment until every person in the theater is thinking, "There's gonna be a shark attack here. There's gonna be a shark attack here. There has to be a shark attack here." And the fact that it's a payoff of like two kids with a shark fin, which, by the way, hilarious prank by those kids. No, good one. Good yeah. one. <laughs> hilarious prank, and then they and then, but it's. Followed immediately by the tension grows again because suddenly you do see the shark going into the pond. I think this is the first time we see the shark. It is the first time that you legitimately see. We the see shark. a dorsal and a tail fin. Yes, and it's uh, the impotence of her screams as like no one was listening to her whatsoever at all. Well, I... Also, it's not even that. It's who is she screaming to? She's she's on the pond side. She's yeah. past the bridge. But she's, she's trying to reach the people on the beach, and she's trying to say, like, hey, Coast Guard, you need to, you know, there's a shark. But they are, they are miles away, dude. And that's what's so awesome about that moment, is literally, like, there's nothing she could possibly do. And she's, you know, imagine being that person that has that awareness of, oh, no, there is going to be a shark attack. She could have saved that guy's life. But she can't, because people are too far away. And she's trying her fucking damned us to do it and that is such a brilliant moment in this movie and there is the scene where they kind of do hear and they hear there's reports of shark in the pond yep and then you have brody. it's helen brody michael's, michael's in, the in the pond and he yep and you see uh brody kind of like he, he pauses for a second thinks about it he doesn't take it super seriously but then he starts jogging over which i give him credit for giving the good old dad jog to get there because he could have walked over there. 
But he, he made the point of, like, he's gonna, you know, he's not gonna sprint, like, oh my god, my kid's in mortal danger. But he's like, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna jog just to make sure it's good. And once again, you just get Brody as a good dad. Brody's a good dad. Brody's a family man. And then my favorite guy. Like, <laughs> hey, kids, you need a little help <laughs> over there? <laughs> you guys all right over there? Mm-hmm. You guys okay over there? Oh my god! Yeah, and then <laughs> he gets okay. tipped over. He gets munched. Um, the all oh, stuff is a leg. Yes, I was gonna say. I think that's the best special effects moment aside from him coming into the shark. Is the the leg that comes down and bitten off at the thigh, and slowly drifts down through the water with all the blood and stuff. Oh my god, that's, that's very that's, realistic. I was gonna say. I to this day think that that's exactly what that leg would have looked like if it was bitten off then. I totally agree. And at that point, you two see the head of the shark. Yeah, you get to see Bruce's face for the first time as it comes in. And he just kind of dials off of Michael, which I, you know, it's a good plot point. I don't know if it's necessarily a good shot, um, but it is good. And I like that um, um, the plot is that Michael goes into, like, catatonic shock afterwards, mm-hmm. which I think is great. And the the big moment of when Brody runs over and grabs the, the blanket. Yeah, and, and he, like, also... twirls the blanket. And... and then his wife's like, is it dead? <laughs> yes, he's in and, shock. And then his youngest son's just crying. Yes, and and, and the scene ends with uh, his youngest son just crying on the beach. I think is uh, you know, it, just, it, it strikes home in all the right ways. Which ends Act 2. It definitely ends Act 2, and then we begin Act 3 with the hospital, and, you know, uh, what's McCall, again, Helen being a great mom and running through and just kind of like, oh, like, do you need anything? You gonna stay over? Do you want, you know, you want your Hot Wheels? What kind of ice cream do you want? Chocolate? Co- coffee. Okay. Coffee. 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 That's what it is. Coffee. 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 Um, and, but, but and talk then... about absolute perfect moments when Brody is in complete and utter rage and he grabs the man. I'm going to cut you off for a yeah. second, Brian, just because there is a good little moment of character development right mm-hmm. before that. Yeah. When Helen is holding the youngest son, Sean, mm-hmm. and then Brody's like, take him home. And then she's mm-hmm. like, home here, home to New York. You're right. And yes. She's like, yep. home here. Mm-hmm. Home here. We have to finish this. Yep. This is where we are. We can't mm-hmm. let this get the better of us. We yep. have to... Exactly. Maintain it all, and I think yeah. at that point is what sets him off on the rage because mm-hmm. he sees that goddamn anchor jacket, <laughs> and then he pulls the sheet and around. Oh, oh, and the mayor rips butt. The, so, I was gonna so say was, the mayor was just. Why do you smoke? Best and just why pull. do you smoke a cigarette? Because you're freaking out, man. You smoke you a cigarette because you're trying to calm down. That's the whole idea. And that's what he's trying to do. And you see his hair is a little out of it. His, his suddenly his his perfect. Anchor jacket is a little untucked. His tie is kind of right. undone. Because before that, like six hours previously, mm-hmm. he was talking to Peter Benchley, the mm-hmm. reporter, and he's yes. just like, a large predator mm-hmm. has injured some bears. Yes. <laughs> As you can see, it's a beautiful day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely down. Yeah, he's, not, he's not worried about a shark. But I, I, I love that, that, um, that parallel between of like he's so well put together he's so fun he's that happy mayor of like ah, yeah no i'm that politician whatever and it's suddenly you get that brody again 
who is in like the pretty laid back kind of dorky guy and suddenly you get him in that complete not a rage of he needs to protect his family he grabs the mayor he pulls him aside he throws the curtain around you get a pedal area yeah <laughs> bingo and you and, and the mayor is like hey, my kids were on that beach too and he kind of like reluctantly does the signature and everything oh my god it's a tour de force by both of them for acting we're gonna hire Quinn to kill the shot yeah exactly he's not asking he's him. like I don't, he's I don't telling him yeah yes oh my god it's great which it's the start of Brody's rage which is mm-hmm. not enough to really do anything <laughs> <laughs> no not really but they but they hire Quint which is the which is the key point and then uh, we get forward into uh, what's going on? We get Brody Quince walking house. into <laughs> yeah, Quint's shit. <laughs> he is literally. It is so entertaining to like genuinely see a guy whose entire worth is just hookers, booze, and fishing, and he has no love of the land. <laughs> His only existence. You respect it. You respect the grind. You I see do. where he's coming from. Bingo, and it's just one of those old-fashioned, like true. Like, it's all parts of the English Navy when England was an empire. And it's that, like, true, like, you spent time out at sea. And But, I mean, you have the parallels between Quint and Ahab. It's just awesome. His life is fishing. He hunts mm-hmm. shacks. <laughs> but you don't really understand. You just think it's this crazy guy until mm-hmm. we get later. Yep. On the boat. I do love the, the what's going call it, the whiskey. The, or not yeah, the whiskey. He's got the turpentine. Things yeah. That, if, we, if we are sticking with the theory that mm-hmm. uh, Brody is an alcoholic or is yeah. a recovering alcoholic and he won't touch it, yeah. red flag. <laughs> red fucking I was going to say, if anybody's an alcoholic, is 150% quince because A, it's played by a 150% alcoholic, and B, it is, uh, what's going the character is probably an alcoholic as well. But... Like I said, I love that idea of like, you know, his his entire life. It's not he does this as well as shark fishing. It's literally his life is shark fishing. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about, you know, having a family. It is literally his entire goal in life is shark fishing. To catch fish. Yep. Which brings home the day, man. <laughs> I sell a lot. I got these to do all these accountings for these guys. I know. I know exactly how much they make. I know exactly how much they charge. I'm like, you don't have money to pay me, but they pay me. And then I don't know what they do in the winter. I just hit that mm. bottom. Bingo. Hard. Oh. So, um, yeah, we get that uh, that little moment when um, Hooper comes in. Same thing, where he tries to test Hooper. And I'll Give me talk hands, about, Hooper. Talk about fantastic when Hooper goes, oh, it's been a while since I've had to stay, uh, you know, take um, beginner seamanship. Yeah, past basic seamanship. Yeah, yeah, and you have, uh, what's McCoy, um, Quint literally takes it and throws away without looking at it because he knows he did it, did it right. And he goes, show me your hands. Yeah, so he's looking at hands, because you'll be even counting money all your life. He's like, whoa, I don't need to don't give you this class hero, crap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, then, okay. and then Quint's like, maybe it's best to go alone. Mm-hmm. And Brady's like, "Oh, but you us on the boat." It's my child. Will you listen to Yeah. Then it's mm-hmm. my boat, my vessel, my chatter. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's best to go alone. Mm-hmm. But then they don't. I I do love. We should also mention that that little moment of when Hooper 
um, is given the glass. Don't drink that. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, and he goes, don't drink that. And Hooper rips it because Hooper needs to prove that he's not yeah. a pussy. I love that little moment. I which think is that's awesome. Funny, which is funny because in the books, I think it's agreed between the two of us that Hooper is a, a huge pussy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, Hooper's he's, a goon. He sleeps with cool. Brody's wife and that's like a huge chunk of the book. He's yeah. dedicated to Brody's wife is literally like trying her desperate damnedest to fuck outside of marriage and it's like oh this is just sad there's like Mm -hmm. there's too much subplot yeah there is going on yeah and that's what I I want three guys catching a fish and that's all I want bingo but um Spielberg did such a good job of understanding like the um the the undertones that have to do with like you know um I wouldn't say religious connotation but like historical and primordial like fears of the ocean fears of sharks and he was able to handle that as well as um diving into um uh you know like old literature with ahab and then his white whale which i think is like true utter complete brilliance it's awesome yeah um so then we go into our next scene we get brody and his wife which again Helen is perfect with like, do you, do you have your eyeglasses? Do you have your glasses? Do you have your, you you mm-hmm. your nasal spray? Yeah, do exactly. Your, do you have your creams? Do you have your galoshes? Bingo. And then you get into the complete antithesis of uh, what's McCall Quint, who's just and throwing stuff. Charles get Hooper. Yeah. Kind of in between the mm-hmm. science nerd. And he yep. brings all of his stuff. He's just like, is it, you bring all this stuff on the belt? Yeah. Anti shot cage. Mm-hmm. Cage goes on the water. You go on the cage. Sharks on the water. Ah, shark. <laughs> Farewell and adieu, you Spanish ladies. <laughs> Farewell uh, and adieu, you Spanish ladies of Spain. Before yeah. that happens, though, he, he gives his limerick. Yep. Uh, what's going on? I, I love, she literally says, like, he scares me. What do I tell the boys? Tell them I'm, I'm going, going fishing. fishing. Oh. Here lies the body of Mary <laughs> Lee. Died at the age of 103. For 15 years she kept a virginity. Not a bad sight for this vicinity. <laughs> and then Helen runs away. Because yeah. she, <laughs> she literally She's like, I'm never going to see any of these people yes, ever again. Exactly. But it's that, it's that perfect of like these crazy salt of the earth nutcases of back in the day. And Brody is so like closer to the modern man. and he, But he's that in-between of he was raised in ye olden time, or like by older guys, where Hooper is the complete modern man, and then you have uh, Quint is like the 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 archaic, <laughs> which I think is because where Spielberg diverged from the book with having Hooper kind of be the secondary hero, is because Spielberg was a rich prick too. Yeah. So um, we go from there. They they start off. Uh, what's gonna call it? He has his little moment of, uh, um, you know, he's pumping in the the shark cage and all the harpoons and stuff like that. And as you mentioned, you have that dichotomy of between the modern and the uh, the archaic. Um, Quinn's worried about bringing like enough. You apricot- got your rubbers. <laughs> you got your <laughs> two cases of the apricot brandy and uh, the color TV. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then they start out again. You have a couple of awesome shots of the the orca and John Williams score is just like that adventure, <laughs> which is really they good. set out mm-hmm. from 
the wharf mm-hmm. where they are. They exit the harbor and you see them full steam ahead mm-hmm. out towards the open ocean, mm-hmm. which is pretty great. It is. It's awesome. And then you cut to the doldrums and there's kind of drifting. Mm-hmm. And then Hooper's driving the boat. Mm-hmm. Quint working the rod. Mm-hmm. He's jigging off the bottom. Again, uh, top five scenes in the entire movie is when he has that and you just he doesn't immediately react it would be a bad scene if it went and suddenly robert shaw grabs the rod it's the fact that it goes as he's eating the cracker and you just see the side eye as he watches it and then he eats it again and it goes and that's when he downs the rest of it and he slowly starts to get prepared he does it's it's an awesome moment, and I've seen it only a handful of times in my life, but it's when actual, like, crises happen, and men and women who are comfortable in crises relax. They, they handle things calmly, and when something that a lot of people panic about, or literally watching people panic, but they are actively smart enough to not cause other people to panic... And I love that scene as Robert Shaw slowly sidles into the the shoulder straps and locks up and he gets ready to go. Oh, it's incredible. Not really accurate, though. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) It's tough to judge with those old school reels. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just tuned up an old um, Pen 30 wide. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty similar to what Quinn had going there mm-hmm. for his setup, and I stripped all the line off of it, and then it was in really good shape, mm-hmm. but it had the two-speed, and then just, like, there is so much force required mm-hmm. because it, there's a lever-drag system, which incorporates how much pull, and those reels are really, really advanced. Mm-hmm. Honestly, they have been for 30 years. It's how much tension, how much force has to be pulled from the reel from the real spool up the rod mm-hmm. and then back down. So you're dealing with angles and all of that. So calculating the force is really not that big. Mm-hmm. But in order for it to do that, to just take a little crank mm-hmm. and have it actually set to full drag probably or even three quarters drag with the audio, mm-hmm. because you know how it cranks like that and you yeah, can hear yeah. it. Most reels these days, that's an option that you can have. Yeah. So if you want to hear the click, click, click. Yeah. You can, or mm-hmm. you can turn it off. Mm-hmm. But to hear the click, 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 and then have time to do it, and then have it sprint like that, especially mm-hmm. if it is a shark, is just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Totally valid. How fucking awesome is it? Because movie? he doesn't set the hook. Yeah. The whole idea behind all of that is like when I've gone shark fishing is that I have a t- 11 foot rod mm-hmm. and I've done it in the past where I take some line out of the spool and I have the bail flipped over mm-hmm. and I bury the line a little bit mm-hmm. just enough so if I know that something lashes onto it it's mm-hmm. going to take the line out of the sand mm-hmm. and at that point I'll give it two or three seconds to let it mound on the bait flip the bail hold it reel in the slack wait for it wait for it feel it and then it's a whole huge whole body thing where you rip it up Mm-hmm. And if you do that properly, it's going to set the hook in the corner of its mouth. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you can direct where it's going, and then you can have more leverage when you reel it in. Mm-hmm. Quint doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. He just lets it run, mm-hmm. which 
if that's the case, then the fish has swallowed the entire bait hole. Mm-hmm. And that has, the fish at that point has more leverage. Okay. That's actually an interesting note. Okay. I actually do know what you're talking about, where I, d- I was able to keep up with you for that, which I did not anticipate. No, okay. All right. And it's, and like to think that, I don't know, continue, continue where with wherever you were going after that, but like. You get your it's, awesome it's moment. Not, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, pretty yeah, awesome moment, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but it's not typically how it does happen. Okay. It requires right. a little bit more finesse from the English side, especially mm-hmm. where I think that Quint had the full drag going because mm-hmm. they were letting the tide mm-hmm. hit it. So he was just chumming and chunking, waiting for something to hit it and take mm-hmm. it and run, yeah. which is kind of not how you do it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I like that, uh, what's McCoy? I do like hearing from this realist side of things. Like I said, I, um, I love Mythbusters does an entire episode on Jaws itself and tries to like, even if there was a shark this big, like, could it do the things that is shown, that are shown in, uh, Jaws the movie itself. And a lot of them actually ended up being true, which I love. Um, some of them ended up being false. But uh, we'll get into that later. I love, um, but I love everything when they're on the boat and they're bonding and stuff like that. I love that, uh, what's we call it, when Hooper goes, ah, it's not big enough. It's not big enough. Like, yeah, you know, like, it's probably a mackerel. It's probably something along a upper, whatever it is. And you just see, snaps the line. And you just see, Quint goes, oh, yeah, grouper, cut through this piano wire. You will not take me, tell me my business again, Hooper. <laughs> oh, Awesome. Which I think you're kind of skipping over that, Brian, is the fact that it was probably a, a very big game fish mm-hmm. that initially hopped onto it. Yeah. Which is maybe more plausible. Mm-hmm. And then it ran. Mm-hmm. And that's why it took on the line. And the whole thing with a spool in the line with water is accurate. Mm-hmm. And yep. Latching in there is pretty mm-hmm. accurate with yep. an old school thing like that, which mm-hmm. still exists. You mm-hmm. can find big offshore 67 90 foot boats mm-hmm. which is the one boat the mm-hmm. one seat back there with yep. the harness cool as <laughs> fucking gets um you need to wet the line just so yep. it moves that mm-hmm. much quicker but it needs to be you need to be onto a big tuna yeah or maybe a marlin mm-hmm. for those kind of northeast waters for mm-hmm. the fish to run like that yeah. To think I, the shark is going to go and catch and then yeah. swallow that mm-hmm. fish whole mm-hmm. enough to bite the, whatever it is, 500 pound piano wire. Yeah. That's 10 feet long, mm-hmm. hanging off the end of the whatever pound mono they have. Mm-hmm. 200 pound mono? I don't care. <laughs> I was gonna say within the bounds of that scene. What are the, that within scene the bounds of that awesome. thing, I think that yeah, that part itself awesome. is pretty accurate. Yeah. When Hooper's okay. just like, I don't know about this, yeah. and then they bite through it, and it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's that was awesome. Which um, bring? Have you seen the deleted scene? I don't. I don't think I have. So you know how it's with the shark bit through the piano wire. Yeah, yeah. There's a deleted scene where Quint goes into a piano store mm-hmm. on the island to buy the piano wire. Yeah. And there's a kid mm-hmm. playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And Quinn kind of just like is walking around looking mm-hmm. at him and he sits down. And he just goes, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> just kind of goes crazy. Mm-hmm. He just kind of starts screaming at the kid. Mm-hmm. But he buys his piano wire and he walks out and it gives the whole basis for him being crazy. Mm-hmm. 
I'm glad they took it out, though. It was really not necessary. I was going to say, that sounds like a very weird scene that I would like, but I don't think it would be good for the movie. I love it. Yeah? Is it necessary? No chance. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I think that uh, what's been called the entire first encounter of the shark is fantastic. And then uh, moving right along, where do we go from there? Do we get, um, is, is it Brody Chumming? Is it, um... Yeah, we get Brody Chumming. He's still wearing his life jacket. Yeah, he's got I love his he's little got the thing. cigarette. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, and he's just, uh, what's been called, hey, why don't I, uh, why doesn't he take his turn down here? And he goes, ah, Hooper drives the boat, chief. And he goes, ah, yeah, well, why don't you come here and shovel some of this shit? And then he sees <laughs> the shark. Yep. At that point when Roy Scheider might be his best acting moment is his complete and utter like <laughs> and slowly walks back and oh my god and it's an ad lib isn't it is we're gonna need in a bigger boat oh my god utter terror in his face and panic it's perfect I think that actually happens and then the reel starts going yes yeah yeah um and then you get um Quint's reaction to that, and I was gonna say that's when Quint runs and he um, he grabs the the rifle that he puts together and he harpoons it and he gets him you know one barrel on him, and then he ends up uh, what's we call it that entire shot of them um, you know bring it out bring it out again. again but you're missing the point where uh, Hooper because Chief can't do shit yep Chief can't do shit and um, Hooper is just like I need this GPS thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't wait for me. And mm-hmm. he ties off the GPS to yeah, the barrel, yep. and then he mm-hmm. ties off the barrel to the harpoon. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, which is another great scene. But I love uh, what's McCall when um, you know, talking about the 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 sheer magnitude of the shark is when Quint just goes, "Hey, I can't keep down with three barrels, or can't keep down with two barrels, not with two. Uh, at that point, that's only one. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Ah, well, still. Um, I love that that just incrementally grows up and there is a there is a limit to the strength of the of the shark itself where it's not like uh you know um donkey kong but it is that like it's still a you know uh a force to be reckoned with yeah for sure you know oh that's gonna be a 24 25 Uh, right um but from then on after we get the tracker on that's where we get probably the best scene in jaws Right, as night falls. <laughs> as night falls and the boy's kind of hanging up for a sec because we get that beautiful, beautiful shot after mm-hmm. Quinn shoots the harpoon and mm-hmm. he's sitting at the end of his pulpit with his harpoon gun. Oh, yes. And he starts whistling. Yep. And then the sun's going down. Mm-hmm. And then we transfer and they go inside the cabin, mm-hmm. which is sweet, by the way, man. I want the orca so <laughs> fucking bad. Oh. If yes. I had the Orca Man, mm-hmm. things would be different. <laughs> we would be in Tahiti. It's, yeah. Oh. Oh, no, I, I genuinely, I love that. I love the inside. I love the scene. And it's every aspect of that scene. Uh, one of my favorite stories is that Robert Shaw, who was an alcoholic and died of his alcoholism, which is sad to say because he is a brilliant actor in a, a, you know, a half a dozen other movies. But this one alone, um, from what I heard, is he got so obliterated on set that he could not continue with the scene. And he apologized to everyone on set for, you know, um, wasting their time with the first scene. So there is a subtle cut in which the first couple lines are from the first take. 
And then apparently he just became so debilitating drunk that he could not handle any of the rest of his lines. But within the bounds of the character of Quint, perfect. And it's uh, utterly, utterly masterfully done. And we are, of course, leading up to the infamous USS Indianapolis scene, which is all ad-libbed. But I was going to say, but we should do the, uh, the, the what's we call it? Um, the scars first. No, we should definitely so talk about the scars. There's so much camaraderie <laughs> that builds up to the USS Indianapolis <laughs> scene, and it's mostly between Quint and Hooper, which is pretty astounding because they've been butting heads up to this point. Yes. But you know what is a great mediator of men is fucking alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It so, is. I have made you, more friends and lost more friends under the influence of alcohol than I ever care to admit. Than I ever care to think about. <laughs> um, and you can see on the plates that it's just a bunch of meat. It's mm-hmm. meat, and they're eating it with knives, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yep. They had some kind of steak or pork mm-hmm. that they've been eating, and that they were just chugging that apricot <laughs> schnapps that they've been talking about earlier in the film. It's I, I, I absolutely love... Uh, when they aren't uh, going into the the um, the scars and the different scars that they have, as he goes, oh, you know, like uh, what's him call it? You know, I got the thresher here and the what's him, or whatever Brody. it is, the Brody. I got. He's like, you wearing a sweater? <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, subtle <laughs> subtle joke. That's hysterical. Joke, Especially yeah. as a guy with a hairy chest can relate, but. So funny. Is <laughs> the like ah, uh, you know, take a look here. Hey, Marion Moffat, she broke my heart. <laughs> and the laugh he does is that was because oh, that that's not even the funniest. Just because he's drunker at that point. Yeah. Like, him and Quint are like, this was a twelve foot thresher. Yeah, you know. Uh, what's my going? You know, drink. Uh, what's my going? Eat drink. up half my line. And he's just like ah, oh, you know, stingray. Mm-hmm. I'll drink, to your, I'll drink to your leg. So we drink to we legs. Yeah, we'll drink to our legs. And I love that Hooper and, and Quint have this kind of like wonderful camaraderie moment. But then you pan back to Brody. And you see Brody looks at his appendix scar and then puts it away. But at the same time, Brody has the wherewithal mm-hmm. to think that he's... He's where he should be. Yes. He belongs there. Yep. He has the authority to be there. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, what's that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. then Quinn's like, uh, chief. Is, uh, that's, that's, that's a tattoo like, I have I removed. removed. And then Hooper's like, what was it? And he's just like. No, no, no. no. Hooper uh, goes, what was it? Mother. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the movie is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, ah, Hooper. Like, that I gotta remove. Uh, that was oh, the USS. That, that. <laughs> what? He's just like, what? He's like, who by can't? I my can't extend that right now. Uh-huh. Oh, some boss. Same body as uh, yeah. Boston. <laughs> <laughs> I do my little arm wrestling. Big Celebrating me third wife's demise. <laughs> I can't extend that. You know what? <laughs> oh, Incredible. 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 Um, and then we go through the other scars. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, go, mm-hmm. I got that removed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then what was it, Brian? 
uh, Quint goes, ah, you know, Hooper, Hooper. And I love that, um, you know, there's so much energy and there's so much laughter and fun that goes out of it. And you watch Brody is still there with Hooper and you just watch it completely out of Quint. And, and then suddenly you, goes, you, uh, you watch Hooper. it out of Quint. Hooper. You watch it out of Quint and then you watch it out of Hooper, but you yes. don't watch it out of Brody yep. because Brody doesn't realize what is going on. Exactly. He has no idea what the story is. That was the USS Indianapolis. And you see him go, ha, <laughs> ha. Yeah. Oh, my God. Absolutely incredible. And then you get the monologue, soliloquy, whatever you want to call it, of Robert Shaw as Quint delivering his encounter on the USS Indianapolis. Which was not in script. They ha- I was going to say, they all cobbled it together, together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that so much that the cast and Spielberg were literally like, hey, what's a good line for this? What's a good line for this? And they all wrote it together. Oh, my God. I think it was Quint mm-hmm. to begin with. Yep. Started with USS Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then they all kind of compiled it all together. But I think the majority of it is Quint. Uh, so I know that's true. The one line that I know, I watched the Making of Jaws documentary, and Roy Schneider ma- makes it very clear. He goes... My one line, he goes, the one I always remember is that he goes, my line was the doll's eyes. He goes, they, you know, it's life. Those like spoilers! Those eyes. spoilers yes. were mm-hmm. It's the greatest oh, It is. Um, I like to think of myself as a Jaws aficionado, but I will not even <laughs> try to attempt half the lines in Quinn's soliloquy. He goes mm-hmm. on for about five minutes and he details in... I love the silence death. that follows it. And then suddenly, the, the subtle John Williams just... Every single moment. Oh, it's awesome. I think the two parts that stand out the most is when Quint details his friend. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Chief, he's like, Bump into a on a Thursday morning, Chief. Baseball player Boston. Push him over, wake him up. Rolls over. Half of his, half of his body is bitten off from the waist down. And then he just kind of bobs there. Spins like a top. 1100 men one in the water. I don't know how many sharks. Maybe a thousand. <laughs> and he goes into all that and it's just they like they averaged about six an hour. <laughs> oh, it's it, but it's one of those things of it is a monologue where I think you could take every sentence out and it's an iconic line. It is one of the most iconic science, uh, 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 iconic scenes in cinematic history Mm -hmm. because every single line in that speech is oh my god incredible our our, our mission was so secret no distress call was sent it's uh it is it's a tour de force in acting it's a tour de force in writing it's incredible and i it's tough to say because there are so many brilliant parts about jaws but i yeah i think that it's pretty unanimous that it is the best scene in the entire movie. So, a few weeks ago, my brother broke his ankle. Kind of mangled it pretty bad. He uh, went to the emergency room and all that. He got the rod. And his buddies told me kind of first off. And when I realized in the morning when it happened, I was like, oh, jeez. And I called him. I sent him a text. I was like, you're all right? What, what do you need me to do? Granted, I'm on Nantucket, and he's far away, but just, like, if you need me, obviously, um, I'll be moving. 
And then he sends me a text. And he goes, I'll never wear a life jacket again. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, he's fine. <laughs> you uh, can tell your brother from me. That that made me belly laugh because that's the last thing I expected. Go discuss girls. I'll never wear a life jacket again, Chief. <laughs> At that, that point, I knew nothing can hurt that kid. Yeah, exactly. He's. We're all made of rubber at that age, anyway. <laughs> no, I mean his ankle's not. <laughs> <laughs> His fibia is brittle. He'll be in a wheelchair the rest of his life, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. I'll never wear a life jacket against you. So they're going through. uh, We get the, uh, what's it called? We get the, the, the hit on the hole as kind of a period literally the punctuation to the the speech itself as you have the the shark literally ramming into the side of the ship which mythbusters did the test and it's one of my favorite parts about jaws is they they actually were able to kind of essentially recreate recreate a rough estimation of the physics of what would happen and they had a weight that weighed as much as the uh, the shark and they kind of like made a cartilage head and then rammed it into the side of the ship to see if it would work and it did exactly what happened in the um, within the bounds of Jaws which I, okay, I, I was, adore I'll, I'm going to refute that just because sharks can't swim backwards it, yeah but he could have circled around he could have hit it, bounced off and then circled in the movie mm-hmm. he hits it and then a few seconds goes by and he hits it again Mm-hmm. And he's able to ram it repeatedly. Yes. Which that is, can't happen. There's at least a 30, 40 second span in between. Which, yes. Because it requires yes. him to circle. Mm-hmm. And to think that the shark is cognizant enough to ram the same spot repeatedly is yeah. ridiculous. Okay. Oh, which is uh, fair within the, gra- within the bounds of literally it's true bat- no, 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 no it's i'm not saying it's not true but if you uh, if you're saying like the time spaced out between each hit but it could hit with that amount of force it just needs more time to it do needs to that. hit with that within that amount of force repeatedly within 30 seconds which is a fair estimation within the bounds of the movie to say like oh we're just gonna like make these a little bit closer okay. in time yeah exactly like it's still an awesome scene once again we get utter chaos. Hooper and Brody both panic and start running around. We get Quint, who's Quint, cool Quint as a motherfucking cucumber. Dude. Yes, Quint <laughs> loves it. He understands his destiny, and it's oh, it's coolest awesome. line in the movie. Chief, put up the fire, would you? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yep, bingo. Uh, Chief's like, what the fuck do you mean? Yeah, and he's just calling his own. We need radio for the bigger bar, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. get the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And you have uh, Quint's mad thing where he smashes the Coast Guard thing. Yeah. Once again. Uh, After Quint puts a second barrel in the fish, mm-hmm. he smashes the radio. <laughs> he does smash the radio. And this was... um, When he's got that old-fashioned baseball bat, by the way. Which yeah, is like, a, it's very bizarre looking. Um, It's good to club smaller fish. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of time it's cleaner than a knife, actually. Yeah. Which is a knife, you got to put it through the gills, and hopefully you hit the brain. The brain's pretty small. Yep. Take that cloak. You hit it a couple of times. You hit it in the head, their lip. Mm-hmm. So. Totally fair. Um, no, I, I, I love that scene. I love Brody snapping and just like, you know, you're certifiable, Quentin. You're certifiable. You're certifiable. <laughs> you're not, not certifiable. And I love Quentin's just like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he kind of like, you know, pulls off the bandana he has on as they're all kind of like slowly going a little, yeah. little nuts with their, um, you know. Uh, this was also hunt. Quint. Brody's wife mm-hmm. calls them on the phone. She goes over to <laughs> yes. the Coast Guard yes. station. She's like, can yeah. I talk to my husband? Mm-hmm. He's out on the orca. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, we've got a couple, couple of... couple of stripes here. Yeah. Bring over dinner. All right, yeah. over and out. And then they do, and they do whatever, and then Quinn yep. comes back, and he smashes the shit out of that radio. Mm-hmm. He's just he like, does. this is a waste of everybody's time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, the U.S. has Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and into his little... Put up the fire, would you chief? I think that's straight out of Moby Dick. Like, that is Ahab. I, I was going to say, I know that there's a lot of parallels between Ahab and him. I've never actually read um, Moby Dick. I did um, over the summer. I heard it was flat out fucking awful from multiple people. From my perspective, mm-hmm. from the whaling capital of the world back yeah. in the day, I was able to get a lot of information out of it. Okay. And a lot of history. That's cool. There are some dance. <laughs> there is some shit where it's just like, I can't relate to that. <laughs> I don't believe it. Call me Ishmael. I was like, call me Ishmael, sweet, quick, mm. quiet, and the harpoons and all that, mm-hmm. and the oil, and it's just like, I am God, mm-hmm. and the hand and all that, but I'm into it. But it's just like, the the schematics of the lower depths uh, of the 1840s say, whaling ship. Yeah. It's just like, man, those don't exist no mm-hmm. more. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, now we get to the naked hunt of literally the orca is failing because of the, the water pouring in because of the shark itself. And we get to, like, pretty much balls to the wall. Right. Uh, because hunting. After that night in the morning, Quint and Hooper try mm-hmm. to repair the engines. Yeah. And they do it unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. Brody sees the shark off the uh, stern. Yes. And then they tie the lines off mm-hmm. and the shark rips the cleats off the <laughs> boat, dude, which is unfathomable. <laughs> I don't even fucking care. It's awesome. It's so <laughs> I love the the moment so of Brody cool. tying it off behind Hooper's legs and Hooper just going, oh! Because that is actual pain. Pain isn't, ah! Pain isn't, ooh! Pain is, oh! I Because I've made that sound enough times where I'm ready to punch a wall because I just hammered my thumb or some stupid shit like that. That is perfect of when he gets the cord behind his knees and it gets uh, tied off. You're sitting there with a smile on your face like you're about to tell me that none of that would ever actually happen. Um, no, I mean, I guess that's pretty pretty accurate for a fish, whatever size that is, to have a boat cleared off. Yeah. I mean, sure, mm-hmm. fine. But to think that, like, I think it's implied, and if you look back, Chief does not do a proper mm-hmm. boat cleat. Yeah, yeah. Because the boat cleat is supposed to cinch onto the cleat itself. Mm-hmm. The fact that it um, pulls the slack. Mm-hmm. 
like that mm-hmm. is stupid. Okay. But it would happen if Chief were to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. But the best part of that whole part mm-hmm. is that Hooper gets clean, mm-hmm. and then they climb up to the <laughs> bridge because they know that the boat's fucking sinking. <laughs> yeah. And then Quinn's about to take him in the shell, drown him, stab him, kill him. Shut up! Why don't we slow down, Quinn? Why don't we slow down? We'll bring him into the shadows. We'll drop him. And then Quinn starts saying, Farewell to you, fair Spanish ladies. Farewell to you, ladies of Spain. For we received orders for the sail from old England. There's your bow. Off to Boston? From Old England. Yeah. Farewell, and adieu, do we see you again? Like I was going to say, I feel like Boston is in the lyrics at some point or another, but I could be wrong. From the old, old school sea shanty. It's yeah. Sail from Old is England. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, it is, it's spectacular as you watch Quint kind of like slowly fry his brain. And he's just totally dead son. I'm gonna kill this motherfucker. Kill and this I, I, yeah. I love it when you have um, the shark. Finally, we get Bruce literally um, jump up, eating away the line. I love that. Uh, they got three called? barrels in him. Mm-hmm. And he's eating away on the line, and then he literally launches up and total like there's nothing any kind of accurate about this anymore, and I don't care anymore. It is the instant he jumps up and lands on the orca itself. We're missing. We're missing a part there. Oh, dude. what are we missing? We're missing Hoopa. Mister mm-hmm. Hoopa goes down. Mm-hmm. I think this is a oh, great part is... because um, Quinn mm-hmm. has three barrels in him. Yes, he's just like nobody can survive with three barrels. You think you can get this little uh, this little needle through his skin? Yeah. 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 Anti shark cage, and he mm-hmm. has the pulley, and they're mm-hmm. like, all right, all right, let's go. And mm-hmm. like, this is the last time. It's like Hooper. And I think this is in the movie. Do I miss the entire part of who, when Hooper was in the cage when the next part happened? You, you oh, I do. One, I did. I am you completely and utterly Get wrong. it together. Oh, Jesus. Get it together, man. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> um, when, he, uh, when he hops in the ca- uh, cage, I love that Quint realizes that he might be wrong. And I think that that's an excellent character development moment of, he doesn't say, you're right, I'm wrong. It's that old school of, I've never run into this with any of my grandparents, my parents, anything along those lines. We as humans, when we get old, do not like to admit when we're wrong. I hate when I'm wrong. (laughs) I do too. I've never been wrong. As far as I'm concerned, I've never been wrong. I hate when I'm wrong, and I've been wrong plenty of times, and I do my goddamn damnedest. To say, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. Because it's not something that I was raised to do. And it hurt, physically hurts to do it. So that's but, what times in this mm-hmm. podcast I've never been wrong. Anyway. <laughs> but I, I love that Quinn moment. gets a little, a little soft. And he realizes. <laughs> he gets soft. No, he has a realistic moment where he goes, you Quinn's know what? heart attack gets a little soggy. Yeah. And he realizes <laughs> that he's like, oh, Hooper's got something that we haven't tried yet. Why don't we try that? And he does not care about Hooper's mm-hmm. well-being. Yes. He expects Hooper to die. Yes. Which I think can't be I, more yes. understated. Which, yes, I think that that's probably fair. 
But I think that Quint also is throwing him out there in the hopes that he does succeed. I don't think he's out there saying, like, I want Hooper to die. I think he's out there saying, like, maybe this will work. Maybe the kid's right. I, maybe yeah, I, I, think, I think Quint wants something more to happen. Yes, yes. Which I think is a brilliant point. Every single shot of Hooper in the cage is wonderful. They used... Some actual footage. Yeah. the uh, So I heard, um, again, this is within the bounds of the Jaws documentary, is that they hired people to go, um, you know, great white fishing, or at least, um, you know, taking shots of great white sharks that they could put in the movie. And they had almost no footage that they could actually use. But what happened is at one point when they put the cage in the water is that the great white got tangled on top of the cage and Spielberg literally said like, oh, this footage is too good to not use. So he just wrote that into the script, which I adore. Everything that happens with Hooper in the cage is awesome. The suspense that builds of you don't know where or when the shark is coming the silence that you get of the shark in the uh, in the ocean itself. You get Hooper in the cage and he can't hear anything. Suddenly all the music stops and suddenly he's just staring out and it's just that foggy blueness. Oh, impeccable. Because the waters around our parts are very murky. They are. Max 10, 12 mm-hmm. feet of visible distance. Mm-hmm. You are, You can't really see far away yep especially be able to decipher proportions and depths and distance mm-hmm. and size from that depth you just can't mm-hmm. so that old footage which i think is from rodney fox that sounds in, right wow talk about the pole. 60 yeah i think rodney fox if i can remember from my elementary school shark research <laughs> he was attacked by a shark which we all know and he, i think he lost a leg and mm-hmm. several stitches and whatever else you need spear fisherman out of australia he Mm -hmm. developed one of the first shark cages Mm -hmm. which was dropped off the side of these boats and you can get down in there and submerge yourself and Mm -hmm. observe sharks somewhat safely however if you notice and this is within um the film there is a quite a large gap Mm -hmm. in the shark cage where people are supposed to be able to look out and observe yeah yeah a small enough shark is going to get stuck in there. Yep. Or a shark going full steam ahead is mm-hmm. going to ram their snout mm-hmm. up to their dorsal fin because it's all cartilage and it'll compress yep. into that. And when a shark gets freaked out and they can't keep swimming forward, mm-hmm. which they need to do. Mm-hmm. Or they will die. Because they can't swim backwards. Their yes. gill system, it needs constant oxygen mm-hmm. flowing down through their entire mm-hmm. nervous system that way. They will die and suffocate. Mm-hmm. So what do they do in that situation? They spit mm-hmm. which you can see in the film which yeah, is all real which is a, when he spins on top oh my god that is such a cool it is like it, like i'm so glad that it was in the movie and it's not in some documentary somewhere where we don't care about it it's, it's still, too it's, good it's still in some it's documentary really, that we don't care about oh yeah absolutely except, it's probably in 15 for me yeah <laughs> but it's in my heart is awesome no, I love everything about Hooper. I love the um, uh, when he uses the diver's knife and he is trying to kill it with a. He's trying to hurt Bruce with a diver's knife and he's got nothing, it's and it just hurt. smashes through the cage and that's when he's able to escape and he kind of goes and hides. 
obviously it's inaccurate. Obviously that the shark would go back and circle through and eat him at some point or another. But Not necessarily. If he swam away, I feel like the shark would pri- at least do multiple circles of the area. Yeah, no? He would circle around, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything to Hooper. Yeah? Hiding out down there on the reef. Okay. All right. Color me wrong. That's an interesting one. I, I, I really don't think so, but just because, you know, the sharks have that sixth sense of mm-hmm. electromagnetic mm-hmm. field. Mm-hmm. And if Hooper's hiding out under a rock, not moving at all, trying, mm-hmm. trying to play it safe until he sees a break, mm-hmm. he's not going to go for it. Sharks are going to go for seals and big fish, tuna, things mm-hmm. stressing out at the top of the water. Yeah. Because you they can... can surprise them by coming up and doing their... Um... Is it a polar breach? It's not necessarily a breach, but they always come up it's from... A, it's a know. breach in the most vague terms, but... I like, remember I remember reading in the book, and it's one of the, the more interesting parts of the book, and the book sucks some serious camel dick, but um, one of the best parts that they did is describing the beginning in which Chrissy gets um, attacked. And it was describing how uh, a great white will swim to the, the, the deepest point it can, curve back up, and then with the force of a Mack truck and going like 30 miles an hour, that's when it'll go straight up at its target. And it's not looking to bite its target at that point in time. It will literally just use its snout to try and punch whatever is in the water out of the water to discompobulate it and then it will fly out of the water come back in and then it'll just feed from there i mean that is a very regionally specific i think you're thinking of like the cape town yeah sharks that do that which mm-hmm. we all are all familiar with on shark week mm-hmm. i'm not sure if that's necessarily the case around here i was gonna say cape that, cod that's to my it. recollection that is what happens within the bounds of um, Jaws the book itself and that might be based off Cape Town um, accounts of what Great Whites do agreed mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. it totally happens <laughs> <laughs> still awesome alright so we get Hooper in We uh, I love that they jerry-rig the cage again it's just Try real I was gonna say realistic stuff that happens is the 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 line breaks because it's too heavy because the shark's on top of it, which is uh, it's a cool scene, but it's adapting to to shit that isn't necessarily plot based crap, which happened. It's one of my most infuriating things in anything that comes out today, anything that's written today, whether it be mo- book, TV, movie, film. It is people are so concerned with the plot that they don't add in these literal humanistic details that don't have to do with what's going on and jaws was such a good job of playing it up of like yeah we're gonna color this total scene in we're not gonna give you the paint by numbers and then you guys figure it out yourself it's like no we're gonna give you complete and utter you know we're gonna immersion into what is happening and i think that the them jerry-rigging um the cage is a total reasonable point of like, oh yeah, no, like we gotta, we're, we're seriously trying to figure, uh, like get him up. Or we're just gonna go, oh, he's dead. No, like Quint and Brody are gonna try and, you know, figure out if he's alive or not. And then they pull the cage up and obviously suddenly he's gone. 
Sure. I mean, obviously I agree with you with the real life elements, mm-hmm. but at the same time, going back to what's within the actual film itself and the story itself, Quint's right. Mm-hmm. The shark cage doesn't work. You're a fool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yes, like, fuck you. Yeah. It's all your stupid <laughs> shit. It didn't work. But bro. I like, I like the idea that Quince entertains the idea that he's wrong because I say that is a huge growth for any human being. Period. Is to entertain the idea of you know what maybe I'm wrong. And it's not staring in the face of I am complete and utterly wrong. It is the growth of like. You know what? Maybe he's I'm more than wrong. I thought. Yeah, maybe wrong. maybe I am wrong. And it's uh, what's been going. Another one of those great moments is um, you know, when water's pouring in, and he and Quint runs inside to take a look, and he pulls down the line, and he looks at the life jackets, as the ship is sinking, and he goes, hmm. Because that's the moment you can tell. He grabs the hatchet to. Cut the machete. Line. Yeah, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. It, but it's not, um, what's we call it? It's not a, uh, he lo- looks at the life jackets and he doesn't say, no, I'll never, I'll never wear a life jacket again. He, he looks, looks at the life at jackets to think they should. Yeah, I would argue that he doesn't look at it and says they should. I would say he looks at the life jackets and goes, I know they should. But he goes, he's debating, do I want to die like that? That's my argument, is he sees the parallels between then and now and debates, am I going to put one on? And I think he, uh, then obviously the next part is he goes, no, I'd rather die than do that again. And that's when he chucks the life jackets at them. And I think that that's a brilliant moment of, you know, ethos, pathos, whatever you want to call it, of understanding of like, I accept my fate for however it turns out. I'm going to try my best. To make it not that ending and not get eaten by a shark, he goes, but I'm not, you know, if I go in the water, I'd rather drown than be eaten by one of the, sit around and wait until I'm chewed in half like my friend. But at the same time, <laughs> he's embracing that. He wants it to happen. Uh... He, he, Quint knows from, what is it? June 6, 1945, the B-25 picked us up. And the, does no, our life jacket. Does, he's been running on borrowed time. Does he want it to happen? He feels guilt. He thinks it should have been one of him. He does not understand why he was spared that day, that week. He Ooh, I don't, is running I, off the I, idea I, I, of... It's, and I mean this truthfully, and this isn't just a... This just is as deep as it gets, Brad. It is. Is did Quint want to die at this point in time? And I'm going to argue no. I don't think he did. What was he living for, though? <laughs> to kill that shark. Bow-legged women. <laughs> to kill that shark and bow-legged women. <laughs> Big old Chinese will pull me yeah, right in. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that he was living for much, and uh, it's why we can embrace his death with a lot more um, alacrity. It's, I don't, I, I, and I mean this, I, I don't think he went to, uh, I don't think he went to his death saying like, you know, I want it to be this way, but I think he wanted it to be a fair fight, which is a hell of a lot different from I want to die, but it was, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to catch him on his terms and I'm going to prove I am superior. Mm-hmm. That's why you try to trick him into the shallows exactly. and do all that. That's, and that's yeah. why. You can see mm-hmm. in the film when he tries to grab Brody's hand and just lets him go. He's 
he's bumming. Yeah. He doesn't want to go out like that. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. And that's why he's so reluctant to allow Brody stuff because he's going... That technology, you know, that's, not that's, it. that's yeah, not exactly. Line. Yeah, that's not doing. It's it. almost fair to hunt a deer with a bow and arrow in the woods. It's not fair to hunt a a deer with you know a fifty caliber machine gun and mow it down. Like no, Quint is kind of like it's all about the thrill of the hunt itself. And, you know, man versus wild. <laughs> Again, 50 years later, man, not much has changed. Like, if you use bait and you're chunking off mm-hmm. a matiket, like, off a Smith's point, and you're hoping mm-hmm. for a nice 28-inch striper, like, you're a pussy. Like, <laughs> work the beach, mm-hmm. cast the minnows, like, do it well, mm-hmm. reel it in, keep it healthy, don't mm-hmm. let it touch the sand, mm-hmm. unhook it. If you're using a treble hook, you're a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, figure it out. And if you can't catch a fish doing it the mm-hmm. best way, then mm-hmm. you don't deserve to catch a fish. Mm-hmm. Which is where I am at in my profession, <laughs> in the fine line of I want everybody to be able to catch a fish, to be able to lose as many lures as they can. At the same time, it's just like, I don't want anybody to lose a lure. I don't want to put anything in the ocean that is unnecessary. I want everybody to catch a fish, yep. be able to pick it up naturally without hurting it keeping it alive take, take a, a picture, picture and then throw it and then, throw yeah, it, exactly. and then release it properly yep. yep how many times does that happen one in 60 yeah yes yes i i agree that's that's a cool way of looking at it. so i've been trying to work on some kind of sustainability <laughs> initiative and it's really fucking hard man just because all these goddamn pricks out of connecticut <laughs> mr hooper and all the family wealth don't know what they're doing and they hire the charter which is me in my shop and then they catch the striper and it's 22 inches long and they end up killing it because they're using treble hook and the first three trebles hooked in the mouth and the last one's in the gill and the third one's in the eye mm-hmm. and that thing's gonna die and they don't know how to flay it they don't know how to eat it they don't know how to do anything about it they don't have a fucking fishing license and then they're just retards we're going to cut that last 35 seconds. Yeah, don't matter. yeah, I think that's totally fine. <laughs> Give it like five seconds of silence. So Hooper drives the boat, Chief. Hooper, stop it. Ain't you watching it? So they jerry-rig the top of the of the the cage to bring it back up, and uh, I I I love everything about the scene. I love the even when they're trying to jerry-rig the, the, the winch hook. going. Yeah, the winch, and he's trying they're to work faster, winch, faster, faster, faster. Yeah. And they get it up, and they see the top of it, and they realize there's nobody in the playlist. And they, I was gonna they say, they kill us at yeah. that point. Yep. Awesome. Um, so they think Cooper is dead, which I love. Um, what, what was their plan from there? I forget. They didn't have one. Yeah. They didn't have one because the next second yeah. the shark jumps up onto the stone. I love that scene. I get it. It's, uh, what's going And to, to people who don't give a shit and they just want like good CGI. Fuck you. I was going to say, I, excuse me. I, <laughs> I'll say fuck you. 
I've heard enough arguments for, hey, what if we remade Jaws, but we delicately put in CGI? Where's Roy? Where's Rob? Chuck it. What? Chuck it. Is my, my mentality is take it as what it is. And, um, cause if, they this made, is... if they remake Jaws and I'm not in it, God damn, there's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> I agree. Um, no, it's a, uh, what's McCall? It's a, uh, I get it. It's the only part that's a little kind of, um, scary on this, uh, the, the special effects part. But, um, holy hell is that? doesn't matter. They made it for the thirst two acts. Yeah, I know. A spectacular movie. Without the shark. And they only needed 70 seconds of the how last with the, with the fucking shark. fucking awesome is it when Bruce is literally laying on the back of the boat. Yeah, yeah, jaws a clenching, literally just ready for anything, and that's when you have uh, Quint, who's desperately trying to hang on, and that's my argument against right, you. Right, that's my argument He's too. really trying to keep for it, and that's when he's able to grab the machete. He, he gives it his fucking all, and he stabs it in, and he's r- wriggling back and forth, and he is fucking screaming. Quinn's screaming and uh, hollering. Yeah. And he's got the mm-hmm. blood spreading out of yeah, his mouth. It's, it's very graphic. Oh, oh man. Awesome. You did a really good awesome. job right there. Thank I you. didn't like Thank that for a second. <laughs> that was terrible. It is. Never do that again. <laughs> it's a spectacular, spectacular death. And it is horrific and it's disturbing. And he's and dead before exactly, he goes under. But it's exactly the way it should be. And I love that the shark is able to back up. And yes, yes, it's totally not possible. I don't give a fuck. It looks awesome as he slowly, and it's not that uh, uh, the shark swallows him whole. It's literally, it bites him in half. And the instant it sets its jaws in the middle, that's when you get Jolly going, or you get Quint going, as he spits up blood, as he's stabbing it with the machete. Trying desperately to bring it down. Right, because the whole thing when I fish for sharks is mm-hmm. that it, uh, without a fail, without fail, mm-hmm. as soon as it sees like the shore break and it sees the shore and it sees the waves lap up, mm-hmm. it's going to sprint within the three directions, mm-hmm. right, left, or back. Yeah. Do a tailspin. Yep. And the whole goal there is to keep the drag at such a precise point where you can a fight the fish when it's tired and mm-hmm. it's not fighting. And let the fish run where it needs to, mm-hmm. just so you tire that fish out and you mm-hmm. get it to the point where it's right in front of you and you can grab the tail. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So you can yank it up onto shore, mm-hmm. remove the hook safely, take that quick picture, release it safely, mm-hmm. and let it go. But like on a boat, <laughs> where, the, where the 30 foot shark has 10 feet. Six feet past the gills, up onto the stern, <laughs> dragging it down. The oh, poor bastard doesn't have a choice. It's just it's, gonna be keep yeah, thinning its uh, way up yeah. until it dies, until it gets so tired where it stops breathing and then mm-hmm. it falls back into the water and mm-hmm. then it keeps moving. But to I, think that it chops down say, on the quick, yeah, yeah, and it's just like ah. Oh. I've been gunning for that for yeah. 48 hours. Yep. And then slithers back down. Is uh, not oh, the cards. Man. But uh, you finally, you get the orca sinking, which there's some great shots of the orca slowly capsizing. Not, is it capsizing when it, it slowly turns onto the, onto the side, or is it capsizing when it goes back? 
when it goes back. Is it, capsizing. Um, uh, is, um... It, it doesn't really capsize at all. Yeah. Just because it gets filled with so much water and yeah, it yeah, yeah. the bilge pumps don't work. Mm-hmm. But the scene with the shark bulges in to mm-hmm. the uh, cabin yeah. is pretty great. And you can see all the guts and stuff mm-hmm. in its teeth. And mm-hmm. Yes, I forgot about that. When Brody is trying to, yeah, he's trying to fight it off, and he finally gets the 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 um, air is it air compressor? What are you? It's um, a scuba tank. Thank you. Yes, a scuba tank. That was the word I was looking for. When he's fighting it with the scuba tank, I was about to say fire extinguisher. Um, when he's hitting it, and he finally he knows to hit it in the nose, and that's finally when it goes away. Um, and he's trying to stab it with the with he the, hits it in the, the nose, the, and then he throws it in his mouth. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Is that accurate at all? Can you shoot a scuba tank and will it explode? So this was, again, going back to my Mythbusters understanding, which is dubious science at best, which is what I'm told by actual doctors of science. Um, the What would happen is that if you shoot the, um, the, the scuba tank while it's in the, ba- while it's in the mouth of Jaws is that it wouldn't explode in the terms that we would think, where it's like a, a pressurized explosion, like a hand grenade in its mouth. It would be a mouth. projectile. It's a projectile explosion in which it would shoot through the entire body of the shark and rip through its entire body. So it would definitely kill the shark. That is totally and utterly fair. But it wouldn't blow up like uh, a shot in every direction. It would just shoot in one direction, kind of like it was a rocket ship. What, where on the canister do you have to shoot it for it to go through the shark itself? So say you're... It would be the bottom, where he shot it in itself, which, uh, again, talk about one of the greatest lines in movies ever is, Smile, you son of a bitch. Come on. Boom! Come on. No. The best part is when you see Chief Mm -hmm. actually happy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah! Yeah. Oh, God. It is. It's a. It's a perfect ending to a perfect movie. It is. Mm-hmm. What it day is. is it? What day is it? Because it's bringing it from that awesome climax of this complete and utter adventure, the, the this struggle, and then you're bringing it back to them paddling away when Hooper comes back and Quint. No. He he goes Quint and he goes. Well, Quint was bitten in half, actually. So it was a really brutal death. And Quint terrible. lost his knees down, yeah. and then after that... Oh, he bit him in the midriff. Uh, he definitely was in the midriff. Yeah. It was the knees, and then it was yeah. but the he thighs, doesn't, yeah. and then it was yeah, the I abdomen. Think. But he doesn't go into this anatomical description. It's, sure. He goes, Quint, I will. He goes, Quint. If anybody's missing it, knees, thighs, <laughs> abdomen. Bite, bite, bite. And then uh, Quint's bumming. So. But it's not, um, it's not, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, uh, Brody doesn't do that. Which, again, within the bounds of the movie, perfect. He doesn't go... Because he's so pumped, he thought Hooper was dead too, that little Exactly, brat. he's so happy that Hooper's alive, and again, within the bounds of the book, um, Hooper dies, by the way. I think it's Brody is the only one that makes it alive. Hooper he dies. dies too, after he stops the shark with the harpoon? Yes. He, uh, uh, Brody lives, it's just, uh, Hooper and Quint that die, and that's the whole thing is that um, Brody never finds out about his wife having an affair with, um, you know, the young stud Hooper, which I I think he made a, a lot of, I mean, granted the fact that it's one of the greatest box office successes of all time and that it was a phenomenon 
vindicates me, but I, I think that the uh, the book is not nearly as good as the movie. But I I love that moment of Quint. No. No. Yeah, like, he just... Cool. And then they, but also, like, when um, Quint is driving his boat mm-hmm. back, and he's just like, Oh, but shot! Shot! <laughs> <laughs> they're, um, they're within eyesight of the beach. I was going to say. They're yeah. not too far offshore. Bingo. For the yep. last like 45 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. you can see the shore break. They yeah. are actually in the shallows because mm-hmm. Quint is fucking right, dude, mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie. And that's, I love that. Um, At the end of the day, when you're right, you're right. Mm-hmm. When it's hard, it's hard. <laughs> uh, you know, they lash together the, the barrels and the board and they're swimming away. What is, uh, the last lines of the movie, what day is the week? Thursday. Tuesday. Tuesday. I thought it was Thursday. Maybe it's Wednesday. Nah, it's Between Tuesday. the two of us, we're in the same boat. Yeah. Oh, that's my but, best um, pun of the day. So, I think all in all, we can say that Jaws is one of the greatest movies of all time. Anything else you want to add? Jaws was the first major motion picture blockbuster. It created the blockbuster. It created, I want to say, honestly, partially the jump scare. The idea of the summer blockbuster, the horror genre, would not be the same without it. Spielberg would not be the same without it. And everything Spielberg did after it, it is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> and if you want to argue, hit us up in the comments. Hit my line. Hit my line. <laughs> I won't take kindly to it. I, uh, hey, I think that's totally fair. I, I would say that it's uh, top five for the greatest movies of all time. All right, what's your, you what's, your, what's your top? What's oh, we're not going to get into that now. Not quick, quick, without thinking. You got 30 seconds. I would say Godfather, Rocky, Empire Strikes Back. They're all 70s movies. They're right there, but it's not, it, mm, I, I couldn't specifically say one. So I'll say we should probably end this with... I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it's gone straight to my head. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Thanks for listening to the Enlightened Podcast. We are brought to you by Anchor, a subdivision of Spotify specifically for podcasting. Not only can we be found on Spotify, we can also be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or frankly, anywhere you can find a good podcast. We can also be found on Instagram and Facebook. We're working on getting a Snapchat together. And in the meantime, you can DM us any questions, thoughts, concerns, or just a review. We've gotten more than a couple so far, and they've been overwhelmingly positive, not to brag, but we're pretty happy about that. So if you have any other thoughts or opinions, please feel free to let us know. And in the meantime, like and subscribe for more content.